This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They run in a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. an American band. <sighs> so, a uh, number of uh, things that I'm totally ticked off at. I noticed a moment that Dominic Carter is off because, you know, hey, he's Mr. TV. They got to have him on uh, WABCRadio.tv. The moment his program is over at 1 a.m., lights are out. No more video. If you go on right now, they're playing a rerun of Bernie and Sid in the morning. I'm on. And coming on the heels of what we just heard. Who was that called? Jeff? That Jeff n- from Jersey City, I believe. Yeah, that, that knucklehead. Because he's from Jersey. So, hey, I'll give you a Murphy. Murphy calls you knuckleheads. Well, you happen to be one of them. And he comes out of his face and he says, I'm the worst talk show host here. After he's stroking, I mean stroking Dominic big time. What a brown nose. Probably had his schnoz right upside Dominic's tuchus. And then he, he throws the bomb at me. And I come in here and I'm like losing my mind here. It's like, where is this, Jeff? Come on, pal. Let's get it on. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, Smollett. I never heard of Smollett. What, where you been living? In a cave? O.J. was a nice guy. I drove him around. Yeah, he didn't have a knife in his hand at the time. I'm no nice guy, Jeff. Let me tell you that. I am no nice guy at all. So many of my colleagues here at WABC are so sweet that if you were a diabetic, you'd have insulin shock. Oh, we love you. You're wonderful. Oh, oh, I love you. You love me. It's like a Barney song here at WABC, except when it comes to me here. And we got to have a, a few uh, orders from headquarters. Again, let me run it down for the Frank Morano listener. I realize I got to talk really slow, like maybe 120 words. You know, very slow, so you can, I got to parse the language. You don't call up and ask, how you doing? Because I'm just going to say, I've had better days. You got that? And watch, there are people listening now. They're taking notes. They're writing it down. And when they call in, they'll be looking at the notes, and the knee-jerk reaction will still be, Curtis, how you doing? (gasps) Oh, I'm sorry, Curtis. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Then some of you will say, oh, thank you for taking my call. Oi, Madonna mine. Cop of the cots. Yeah, you figure out what that is in bodies, huh? Go ahead, knock yourself out. So I'm giving the numbers out. Like, I'm giving them out now, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And until the time that I'm finished at 5... Unfortunately, they won't let me do the news because it's the news the Curtis Lee away with all of my slants, with all of my bends, 
and you probably won't end up getting inform- any information, but it'll all be opinion. So what? They won't let me do the news. So you got me for four hours. I'll probably be giving this number out maybe 22,862 times in four hours. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. I'm soliciting you for calls. I should be thanking you. I, I should be grateful to you. And what's the first thing you say? Oh, thank you for taking my call. Like, I'm even going to know who the hell you are or like I even want to know who you are. Please, really? I look at a whole board of calls and I, oh, I especially want to pick this person because I met him on the corner of 36 and Lexington Avenue in 1983 in August of that year. Not. And then lastly, oh, this is the big one. Oh, I'm a first-time caller, but I've been a long-time listener. You are a chakara. So we got that out of the way. By the way, uh, guys, here, do I have to do that scam at $4,000 a minute, you know, that rips people off, you know, Frank pretends, oh, I'm Mr. Big Stuff. Who do you think I am? He offers $1,000. Obviously, he's not going to pay out. I got to ask you 10 questions. Uh, I'm telling you. All of these are special ed questions, but knowing you're to this audience, you're not going to get it. Ten questions in 60 seconds. you got to get them all to earn $1,000, or you get a tchotchke, and he never describes what the tchotchke is. So do we have to do that at four? Yep, I got a new set of questions right here. I think you'll enjoy them. Do I get to do denunciations, denouncements, and declinations? Do I get to do that, huh? You can if you'd like. No, no, no. I mean, you know, Matt Meany, the new program director, you know, he, you know, he's like Boss Hog, he, no humor whatsoever. You, you, you got to do these benchmarks. When, when, what is the night? The denunciations, denouncements, and declinations have to be done. Friday. And then what about the acclamations and commendations? I wanted to wash my mouth out last night when I had to do them. They never commend anybody. And then what about this one? Ask Frank anything except his age. When do we do also that? Also on Friday at 1 a.m. <laughs> Does anybody ever ask him how old he is? You wouldn't believe the amount of times people have done that. And the majority of the time he says... I'd like to keep it a nice little secret yeah, or something just, along no, those no. lines. Somebody ratted him out, cold busting him, said he was 35 years old. Now we got to figure out how old my wife is, Nancy. She's a hipster. She's a millennial. People walk up to her and say, hey, what is it like to be the daughter of Curtis Sliwa? All right, that gives you an idea of how young she is, but she will not tell me how old she is. I can't find her birth certificate. I can't find her SAT scores. Nothing. She goes, just be happy you're married to me. I'm probably the only person in the world who can tolerate you. I'm not going to disagree with that. But I really, I got to get into this thing with Frank, man. He is really milking the system big time. I saw Congressman Peter King in the hallway earlier today, and I said, Pete, Remember how those Long Island railroad workers were really milking the system? You know, all of a sudden they claimed that the angle to the dangle wasn't working and some steerer who would get greased would direct them to a doctor or a chiropractor, probably some Medicaid mill, and then the ambulance chases would come around. You know, the liars for hire. I'm beginning to think that just like in the case of Long Island railroad workers, this is the scam the Frank Morano is pushing now. He wants to do three months of paternity leave, get full pay, just like his hero, Boudicet, 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 Boudicet milked the system, 
And look at those ships out, out in the Pacific Ocean. They're still laid up like a 100 strong in the port of San Francisco, Oakland, the port of Los Angeles. Oh, yeah, great job. Booty shake, booty shake, booty shake, booty shake. But now, get this. Frank Morano is claiming that he's got to be out longer because he is suffering from postpartum depression. Po- him. The guy in this. The only thing he did was donate in the Petri dish. And he claims that he now has as a result of the birth of Carmine mood swings, crying spells, anxiety attacks, panic attacks. He has difficult sleeping. He's got a perpetual sadness. Well, if you were Frank Morano, you'd have a great cloud over your head all the time, too. Irritability, we know that. Feeling overwhelmed, reduced concentration, appetite problems, reduced interest. And no pleasure in any of his activities. He's claiming this now. So he goes to HR. He's got this huge, uh, I, I guess it's a doctor's report or a psych- psychiatric report. And it's now claiming, according to HR, because I poor loin this. You know, I'm not supposed to have access to his personal documentation. It says he's now verging on, get this, postpartum psychosis. What the hell is postpartum psychosis? He says he's suffering from separation anxiety. He can't leave the house. The moment he walks out of the house, he he gets those severe anxiety attacks, the panic attacks. And all of this is because Rachel had Carmine at 13 pounds. But Frank had to observe all of this. And he has a diminished ability to think Clearly. He always had a diminished ability to think clearly. What a scam. I'm telling you. Some observations. Somebody ratted him out to me. One of his listeners. Oh, yeah, his listeners. Said he brags about eating octopus. That he, he's smarter than an octopus. I mean, really? That's what this world has come to? Frank Morano competing with an octopus in terms of the college bowl. You'll have the octopi, uh, I, I guess it's octopi, with the multiple tentacles on one side, and Frank Morano on the other side. Let me tell you something. Octopus have a high order of cognitive behavior. They're used to problem solving. They even figure out how to unscrew a jar lid to access food. Like the jar, you know, that's holding all the olives that Frank Morano wants in his martinis. The octopus could unscrew that. Yeah, Frank can. I'm thinking this. I'm looking here. This is the psychiatric report here about what he's now claiming that he's got postpartum psychosis. That because he's babbling so much, he should just stay home and change Carmine's dirty diapers, right? What do you think? That might be a form of therapy. You know, Frank Morano changing Carmine's dirty diapers. What do you think, ladies and gentlemen? I know it's difficult for you to think of anything, you know, oh, my God, you know, Frank. He's eating octopus. Oh, he enjoys eating octopus. He he likes to have a Mensa battle with octopus. 
This is what he compares his intelligence level to. Octopus. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go, if we can, to Michael's calling from Cliffside Park. Swings all day and after dark. Next to Palisades Park, Michael. Yeah, uh, first thing I want to say is don't listen to that moron that was on the uh, previous show that said he thinks that you're the worst talk show host. You are one of the best. For one thing, I totally, totally agree with you. It, it turns my stomach. I mean, I could puke when I hear these people call up Morano. Oh, thank you for taking my call. You know, it's nauseating. Stop kissing his ass. Get to the point. Say what you want to say. And let's go to the next caller. Right? He's not going to put you in his will or give you any money. So stop kissing his rear end. That's what I wanted to say. I wish that they would replace him with you. I, because really, he's nauseating. You could puke after a while. And some of the people he brings on his show that to interview are really boring, uninteresting. I have to turn off the radio because I'm, I'm going to have nightmares about some of these idiots that he brings on his show. He doesn't even know who the hell to interview. Like one time he interviewed this punch-drunk fighter who got knocked out in the second round. How do you, How dare you bring somebody like that on to talk to? Hey, that's the, the bleeder, Chuck Wepner, the Bayonne bleeder. Come on, I like Chuck. I like Chuck. Mike, I tell you what. a break. And then he brought on the hair club for men. Who the hell wants to hear him interview the guy from the hair club for men? Well, he is a client, too, you know. Yeah, but I mean, it's not just boring. Pick, pick people who are interesting, or else don't pick anybody and just have, talk about politics. Yeah, but Michael, Michael, you got to understand this. We got to give some slack to Frank. Listening to this might lead him to claim that he has chronic depressive disorder. And that means lifetime paternity leave. He'll milk this for every nickel dime he can. And, you know, he says in his papers here, according to HR, that because of the trauma he went through with his childbirth of Carmine, that he is now suffering from severe paranoia, the fear of dancing and busting a move on the dance floor. He wouldn't know what it is to bust a move. Hey. Oh, God, I hate Barney. You know, I don't carry a gun. I really don't believe in guns. But I would become Mr. Second Amendment, Charlton Heston. You're going to have to pry this uh, 9mm out of my cold, dead hand. Right between the eyes, Barney. Right now, Frank has probably got 16-pound Carmine on his knee, right, watching reruns of Barney. Anyway, let's go to Bobby, who's calling from Long Beach. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Bobby? Yeah, Curtis, this is Bob. Look, uh, why do you keep pounding, pounding over and over on Morano? Okay, maybe you don't like him. I don't know what it is, but you, it's it's not entertaining. This other guy that just got off, he's a real curmudgeon, too. He was guys must be taking the same uh, pills. Listen to me. I don't understand you. What are you doing? No, no, no. no. Wait, so wait, 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 wait. You, you can insult Frank. I give you complete license to insult Frank. But now you have insulted me and Dominic Carter, right? 
You've insulted the three of us. It's the trifecta trinity troika of insult, Bob. Get rid of Bob right now. Get rid of him. You want to insult Frank, that's okay. But do not insult my homeboy, Dominic Carter. And please, please do not insult me. Anyway, let's go to James in Calverton. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, James. Yeah, um, you're not Andrew Dice, uh, Andrew Dice lookalike, and you don't sound like him. And why don't you marry Morano? You talk about him every single show. And by the way, aren't you married six times already? And you're talking about all these other people, you know, that are, have extra marriages. And O.J. Simpson was found not guilty. He's got some anger management issues, wouldn't you say? How the hell did me being married so many times, let me, I sort of lost count. Uh, did he say six? All right. It's close. How does he associate that with O.J. Simpson slitting the throat of his former wife and her boy toy? He likes O.J. Simpson. He hates me, right? And these are Frank Morano listeners. You see, I'm telling you. Right now, Frank Morano is filing new paperwork that's claiming that he has been led to a chronic depressive disorder. He may never get out of it. He wants lifetime paternity leave. I mean, workers' compensation, that's been ripped off. And a lot of you out there, you've ripped off workers' compensation. You know what I'm talking about. This is the most egregious Rip-off of all time. Boudicier, Boudicier, Boudicier did it for three months. Frank Morano wants it to last a lifetime. Talk Radio 77 WABC. You're hearing things. You're hearing things. On 77 WABC. It'll be the anniversary of the execution, the assassination of John Lennon back in 1980 in front of the Dakota by Never Trust a Man. Got three names. Three names. And I remember that we had a caller earlier in the week who said that Frank Morano had promised. Remember, he said he promised he was going to do a whole show on December 8th about the execution assassination of John Lennon and then sold the guy and his audience wolf tickets. I promise you, I will not do that. I will not do a Frank Morano to you. Nope. No, we're going to have that. But they're not gathered in Strawberry Fields. Now it's tomorrow. Tomorrow's the big day. Big day. Oh, definitely. We're going to devote. Uh, John Lennon was my favorite. I hated the Beatles. I could deal with Harry Harrison. no. That's the main George Harrison. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I see. I'm fixated on Harry Harrison, uh, formerly uh, when he was spinning stacks of wax, top forty WABC. He was the morning mayor, right? Right, the morning mayor. Of How New come York. he gets 
to anoint himself morning mayor. Nobody voted for him, right? Yeah. Well, to be fair, um, he actually acquired that title from the person who came before him, Herb Oscar Anderson. Nah, he gave himself hey, that title. That's the hot dog guy. <laughs> Oscar Mayer. He created the Oscar Mayer wiener. Please. Uh, you weren't even birthed at that time. <laughs> and let me, let me tell you something. What what a, what a Harry Harrison, what do they have? The Dominion, the Smartmatic machines that rigged the vote for him. Who anointed him the morning mayor? So I guess I can anoint myself the radio mayor. Since I lost to mayor-elect Eric Adams. By the way, is he back from Ghana yet? I mean, what is this guy? He's like a, a world traveler. What is this, Empress Travel? You know, hey, let's go to Puerto Rico. Let's go to the Dominican Republic. Let's go to Ghana. Where else is he going to go? You think maybe you ought to stay in New York? We're going to go through a panoply of different crime situations later on in the show in my Weeby Thugging update. Well, let's go to Norman. Let's go back to my roots in Kanasi. Your turn to be heard, Norman. Yeah, hi, Curtis. Yeah, um, yeah. Frank Morano's a lazy bastard. He needs to get to work. And my advice to you is to take his show. Just take it, Curtis. Post the post the. Post your angels outside the door and just take the damn show, Curtis. Because you know what? You, you got the muscle and you got uh, – just take it. Ah, wait, wait. That's a, that, you see – no, 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 no. Because that wouldn't hurt Frank. What I'm going to do up next is really hurting Frank Morano. And it was serendipity. Is that the right thing? Isn't that where you get your ice cream, serendipity, right? I used to have an ice cream parlor, right? Serendipity. Uh, serendipity, yeah. I have no idea what serendipity means. It's a five-dollar word, multi-syllabic. But isn't it serendipity that something happened tonight that would hurt Frank Morano more than if he lost the other side of midnight? Yes, and it's coming up next. Oh, he will never recover from this. Let's go to Stevie, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here in WABC, Steve. Hey, hey, Curtis. Uh, let's start the John Lennon thing. Ready? Okay. I figured, let's go back to that night. And you were familiar with the city back then. Yes. Yes. December 8th, 1980. Now, the, I, I was amazed. I, I always think of what your, an old buddy of yours, Ed Koch, had to say a few days afterwards. Do you recall? He was proud of the fact that, well, John, uh, Mark David Chapman hadn't been a homegrown New Yorker. He came from out of town. Uh, put that aside. That was a stupid statement as far as I'm concerned. Curtis, tell the people, how safe was it to walk the streets of New York City, even where John Lennon lived, the night at 11 p.m. Eastern Time, December 8th, 1980? Go ahead. How safe was it? Well, let me tell you, Steve, because I'm not going to pull a fugazi on the audience. I'm not going to preemptively or prematurely. And I know for a lot of you guys, you're used to premature things in your life. I'm not, I'm not going to explain exactly what I mean. But I promised the previous caller, it was Monday night, that we would do a full-blown show about the execution and assassination of John Lennon tomorrow, which is the official date when everybody performs in Strawberry Field, opposite the Dakotas, on West 72nd Street in Central Park West, where it's winter solstice, everybody takes their clothes off and goes running around, running around Strawberry Field while smoking spliffs, blunts, dropping to a acid. You know, it's a hippie experience. But see, Steve, you wanted me to preemptively 
jump the queue and do the John Lennon show this evening. It ain't happening. You see, he tried to lure me into that Venus flytrap, or we'll call it the Yoko Ono flytrap. Wasn't going to work there, Steve. But now this is, uh, hey, let's go to Joe in Union Beach first. Uh, hey, Giuseppe, uh, what was on your mind? Because you, you were lingering over. You were lingering over from Dominic Carter, weren't you? It's not a problem. I don't mind waiting for a little bit. Anything's cool. I, I just wanted to give you this. I told the guy when I called him I wanted to give you a little motivation. Let, let me tell you to you like this. I'm 32. The only reason I even listen to talk radio is because of you, Curtis, okay? Following for years. Unfortunately, I listen to the Frank Morano show every night, but I can't wait to get home and turn that shit off quick enough. <laughs> now, Joe, just from a tactile point of view, you could turn me off, Frank Morano off, any show off. You could go up and down the AM dial, the active-minded dial, the FM dial, freaking morons, feeble-minded, fornicating madly, free marijuana. Uh, you could do all of that. So are you such a masochist uh, that you don't like Frank Morano, that you actually listen to all four hours and you only turn it off when he reaches the 5 o'clock hour and then it's the hour of news? And by the way, I have no idea what Army is coming in to do the news this morning. Uh, earlier today, they must have had like 52 people in here to prepare for a one-hour show of news. Can you believe that, Joe? I'll tell you this. I definitely don't listen to him till 5 a.m., more or less from 12 till 12.30, maybe 1 o'clock when I come home. You well, know, okay. he comes on around hey, 1. Hey, Joe, let me tell you. It's only for about an hour I listen to That's him. a lot so of listening, that Joe. That, that helps. Every minute helps. And remember, I have to, I have to exalt Frank Morano because his ratings is my ratings is the station's ratings. So if he does badly... It's like it pulls us all down. You know, it's like anything. They they assess you based on the lowest rating. So if it happens to be maybe one month it's Frank or maybe uh, one month uh, it's uh, Greg Kelly or one month it's Rudy Giuliani, that pulls everybody's rating point down. So as much as it disturbs me to have to say this, we want to exalt Frank Morano. But I told you I was going to get Frank Morano. So earlier tonight... I'm in a very hush-hush, mush-mush political meeting. I mean, I'm going to end up rocking everybody's political world. You think I'm an outlier? You thought I was an outlier before? Wait till you see. No, schmuck, not a liar, an outlier. Although I do lie from time to time. I mean, look, anybody who's married lies, right? And if there's anybody out there who's doing a Mitt Romney, oh, I never lie to my wife. I've never had an argument with my wife. Yeah, that's because your Mormon underwear is a little too tight, pal. But you're so used to being prevaricators. So earlier tonight, I'm sitting down, very, I mean, really big, big politicos. And we're, we're, we're strategizing, right? And then all of a sudden, who walks in? The guy looks like a million bucks. I don't know where he stole his suit from, uh, what store. But, I mean, it was like no shine on it. You know, we're talking along the Pablo Escobar kind of suits, you know, where they're like handmade. And he's got this babe on him. like She's like dripping off his arms. It's like, you talk about eye candy. The whole room, their eyeballs were attached to her. I'm not going to talk about her mammary glands, but that's what they were attached to. 
And it was a guy that Frank Morano hates, loathes, and despises. It's a guy that I should hate, loathe, and despise, but I don't because I know that Frank, just me mentioning his name, will just go ballistic. And that will give me a lot of... Nachis. I have a double the amount of Nachis. So, prepare yourself. I'm going to take you in the time machine. Seven years ago, when we were at a different location, 17th floor, Tupan Plaza, one of our hosts at that time was Haraldo Rivera. You know, with the mustache wax. I say, enough, enough, Feraldo, enough with that mustache. You know, that's what he does most of 23 hours a day. He's got that old-fashioned mustache wax, and he keeps twirling it and twirling it. It's sort of like, okay, we get it. You have an old-fashioned mustache, Geraldo. Like he's about to sing Barbershop Quartet. Exactly. <laughs> oh, absolutely, in Sharon, Pennsylvania. The World Barbershop Quartet uh, Museum. And go ahead, look it up, Weisenheimers. It's in Sharon, Pennsylvania. How do I know? Because I was in Sharon. Let me tell you something about Sharon. Used to be the home of the guy, Jim Winner, who created the club. Remember when everybody put the club on their car, steering wheel? We're getting to that point again. <laughs> Pretty soon, everyone's going to be putting a club on. But because he and I were friends, and he was from Sharon, Pennsylvania, he created a designer club with my name on it, not to be put on the steering wheel, to be put underneath your seat so that if any marauder tried to come up on you while you're driving your car, parking your car, you would just grab it and go, come on, come on. And then naturally the cops would come, oh, you hit me, he hit me. Impossible, uh, officer. This is what I put on my steering wheel, even though it was never on the steering wheel. And then they would look, oh, Curtis Lee, well, oh, no, he would, that's a Curtis Lee with designer. Designer. <laughs> it was actually, and I know somebody out there must have a Curtis Lee with designer club that you still put on your Volvo, right? Oh, your Yugo. You probably, you probably have a Yugo out there and you have a Curtis Lee with club on it. Designer model with my signature. I think you pay 28 more cents than the normal uh, Jim Winter Club. But he was in Sharon, Pennsylvania. And Sharon, Pennsylvania used to be all still. The mills, the steel, gone. So in the middle of town was this old department store, empty. It was like the Twilight Zone. He, he had a piano player on every floor, a baby grand piano. There were no customers. The racks were full of retail from 1950. There were no freaking customers in Sharon, Pennsylvania. And through his generosity, he had the Barbershop Quartet Museum. There were four guys that just stand there singing Barbershop Quartet songs all day long. Now, come on. Some of you had to have been passing through Sharon, Pennsylvania. It's like a ghost town there. In fact, I was so close to Jim Winner, the founder and the manufacturer of the worldwide renowned club, including the special one, the designer model, featuring yours truly, Curtis Lee, and my signature, that unfortunately when he passed away, I did his eulogy. And I did it 
with a gym winner club in my hand, the the designer club with my name on it, and I said, I will never have anything uh, in a designer fashion. You know, with me, it's the Dollar Store, the Dollar Tree Store, but this is the greatest compliment that has ever been paid to me in my entire life. A designer club from Gym Winner International so that if the marauders, the thugs, the thuggets came upon you while you were parking your car, getting out of your car, getting into your car, you could go, come on, come on, come on, and beat the rap. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Ah, talking about debt, that previous uh, pre-record. Well, that debt service certainly can't help the United States because our elected officials, Democrats and Republicans, keep raising the debt ceiling, raising the deficit ceiling. They just did it for 11 weeks to February, and then they're going to have to do it all over again, and they don't really care about the consequences for our children's, children's, children, children's, children's, children generation because they're going to have to pay the VIG. But it's also affecting your retirement. That's right. And in fact, with President Joe Biden being a dollar short and a day late in this first year, it's just making things even worse. So there's a cause and effect. It's causing inflation to skyrocket. So if your money is sitting in a traditional retirement account, it's getting eaten away right underneath your schnozola. Gold and precious metals offer a hedge against inflation and protects your retirement. If you have an existing retirement account, you got to roll it into a gold or silver IRA, and you should do it with legacy precious metals. Remember in 2008, the implosion on Wall Street, the whales survived, they got free money from the Federal Reserve, no interest, and you on Main Street got ugats, got bupkis. Those that invested in gold saw huge gains. Those that avoided the investment in gold faced financial dissolution. This is why gold should be a part of every wise investor's portfolio. Legacy is the company you can trust because they give you unbiased counsel based on your individual situation. Contact Legacy Precious Metals today. Get a pad and a pen. It's for your friends, your relatives, those you know, and your children. Call 866-932-0635. That's 866-932-0635. Or just go online to LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's P- LegacyPMInvestments.com. 77 WABC, where the action is. We are New York on New York's Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. So this is Christmas. Yeah, wrong day. Tomorrow is John Lennon. What is wrong with you? You know, he was killed on what technically would have been tomorrow, not today. Meantime, you're hanging with Frank, who promises his listeners, oh, I'm going to do a retrospective of the life and times of John Lennon. And then, as you heard from that one caller, he sold them wolf tickets. Well, let's get right underneath Frank's skin, because he hates this guy. So, the guy's looking like a million bucks Stole this uh, designer suit off the racks. I don't know what trucking company. And then I'm going to take you back seven years in that room with Geraldo Rivera. And a hitman, mobster, playboy named John Alight. Written by uh, George Anastasia, terrific writer based in uh, Philly. 
You heard about the guy that wanted to kill me, the Scarfo guys down there in Philly. But uh, the interesting thing is that uh, they tell the whole story of when they wanted to kill Curtis Lee. Well, they didn't want to kill him. They wanted to hurt him because Curtis, when he was on the radio in the early 90s, was relentlessly going after John Gotti Sr. So he sets him up, right? There's Johnny A. Light. There's Geraldo Rivera. And he asked John A. Light, the Albanian bad boy, sidekick of Gotti Jr. In fact, Gotti Jr. was his best man at his wedding, right? I mean, you don't get closer than that. Uh, that means you trust him with your wife's booster bag, which John Gotti Jr. did, right? Let's go to the question that Geraldo asked to Johnny A. Light, Albanian bad boy. Did you go to jail? Did you go to jail? Yes, I've been in prison several times over uh, two decades now. And, and what was your uh, your prison time for? What was the, what were you convicted of? Homicides, Rico, and uh, close to uh, 100 uh, assaults, baseball bat beatings, and uh, violence, basically. Pretty impressive resume there, right? <laughs> He sounds like a young Fauci, right? That's what Fauci, when he had the frog in before they took all the polyps out because he smokes two packs of Marlboro Red each day. Uh, that's what a young Fauci sounded like. Bad boy, Johnny A. Light, the Albanian bad boy. So then Geraldo starts reading from the matchbook. I don't know what it was, the comic book. It was the book. It was called Gotti's Rules. So you really were a badass and a bad person. But let me just read you this part of it. Shortly before Gotti Sr. trial began in federal court in Brooklyn in the winter of 1992, Curtis Sliwa, the founder of the Guardian Angels radio talk show host in the city, went on a rant about the Gottis. It was a regular theme of Curtis' broadcast. And it drove Junior Gotti nuts. All right, so anyway, they rig out a taxi. They know Sliwa's habits. He lives in the East Village at the time. Sliwa hails their cab, and it's the mobster driving with another mobster crunched down in the front seat. Sliwa gets in the back seat. The door is locked. Yanadi pops up from the front seat, pulled the gun, shot Sliwa in the thigh and grind. I see this Johnny A. like writing about this. And then Geraldo purloins from a Frank Morano broadcast his interview with my nemesis, John Gotti. Junior. It's up from the front seat, pulled a gun, shot Sliwa in the thigh and groaned. How are you talking about this Sliwa thing? Get, getting on to Sliwa, Sliwa's a situation that's very unique. Sliwa is somebody that he hoped, he prayed, he needed the Gaudis to shoot him. That's what he needed because you want, he built a career out of it. He was a nobody that nobody paid attention to, but the fact that he cashed in on the accusation that the Gaudis had had him kidnapped and shot, well, that's a little different. Yeah, so who do you think that was who was talking there, Weisenheimer there, our uh, board operator? Who do you think that was? Whose voice was that? I could not tell you. That's John Gotti Jr. talking to Frank Morano. My God. They're like two peas in a pod, like a horse in a carriage, like a soup in a sandwich. Play that again. Play that again. Curtis, so you hear this stuff, and it's... Up from the front seat, pulled a gun, shot Sliwa in the thigh and groaned. How are you talking about this Sliwa thing? Get, getting on to Sliwa, Sliwa's a situation that's very unique. Sliwa is somebody that he hoped, he prayed, he needed the Gaudis to shoot him. That's what he needed, because you want, he built a career out of it. He was a nobody that nobody paid attention to. But the fact that he cashed in on the accusation that the Gaudis had had him kidnapped and shot, 
Well, that's a little different. Interesting. So I go to Novena on Monday and light the candles. Please, could you have the guys shoot me, you know, with their Gambino thugs? Well, maybe I did a few rosaries, you know, a few uh, Hail Marys, Our Fathers. Please, please, please have the guys order the Gambinos to shoot me up and turn me into a, a slice of Swiss cheese. You see, Frank, he doesn't say anything to the guy. He said, yes, 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 yes. So then Geraldo turns around and asks me, what do I think about all that? Courtesy, you hear this stuff, and it's your life, 1992, and they're trying to justify the shooting because you did okay after you were shot. You, they could have killed you. I did pretty good before I got shot. Uh, I was already on the radio doing morning drive in the number one market in all of America. So, uh, it's so what, do you, what do you feel sitting opposite this guy? You're sitting, you're physically four feet away from this mobster. Well, remember, I've grown up with mobsters my whole life. Canarsie, East New York, Brownsville, Ozone Park, Howard Beach. They're in my own family. Uh, so the fact that he testified in the fourth trial against John Gotti Jr., hope to put him away, he's trying to square the deal. In terms of will I ever shake his hand, hell no. If he slips and falls and breaks his neck in the bathroom, God's done justice. But that's, the, that's my opinion till the day I die. So John Aylight is sitting like three feet away from me when I say that. The guy doesn't flinch. He's a stone-cold killer. So then Geraldo Rivera asks Johnny Aylight, the Albanian bad boy, best friend that John Gotti Jr. ever had. What do you think, Johnny? So John Aylight, how do you feel sitting next to Curtis? Well, I don't blame him. Obviously, if guys are trying to kill him and hurt him, and I'm part of that Gambino family, I would feel the same way as him. The difference is when John Gotti Jr. brought that hit to me and Mikey Scars, we told him no way. John Gotti Jr. is incompetent. He wanted his name out in the media. He didn't do it for his father's sake. He did it to get his own name out there. And like Curtis said, they baseball batted and they shot him. They did this. We don't do that to media people. If you say something against me, I'm not supposed to go out and try to kill you or hurt you. So I denied killing him. That was the original thing. He asked me to kill him. I said no. He asked me to hurt him. I said no. Mikey Scars backed that play with me. He threatened that he would kill me. So if I didn't do it, I still didn't do it because it's not what we do. We hurt each other on the street. Nothing to do with media. You think I believe that bullfeathers? <laughs> oh, we don't, we don't deal with people in the media. No, no, no. John Gotti Jr. told me, you kill him. And I denied it. Notice he said, I denied it. And he expects me to believe that. But naturally, if you say it enough times, right, in life, people will start to believe it. Oh, John Gotti Jr. came to me first, said, I want you to wax Lewa. And you know some I denied him because we don't mess with people in the media. It's so full of bull feathers. But I know this is going to drive Frank Morano crazy. 1-800-848-9222. As this was real talk radio. You don't hear talk radio like that. You know, it's, oh, January 6th, uh, uh, that's right, Trump, no, Biden. Same old, same old. Every show, it's like a Xerox copy of one another, same call, the same. Notice, you never hear anything like that on the radio. Curtis Lee was sitting next to the guy who was supposed to whack me. The only reason he didn't shoot me in the head is another guy got to me first. That's the truth. And there's Geraldo Rivera loving every second of it. You don't get talk radio like that anywhere else.
1-800-848-9222. But when are we going to talk about January 6th? Not here. 1-800-848-WABC. How can he didn't sing this song, you know, with Lady Gaga showing a shot of leg there on the stage, huh? This should have been his This is real. Come on. You know, forget I left my heart in San Francisco. You didn't because he would do a smash and grab of your heart nowadays in San Francisco. Come on, Tony. I know you're kicking it. You're way up there. It's a little Tony uh, Bennett story. So Yankees win. Finally, they're in the World Series. Boss Hawk Steinbrenner. You know, he has the whole uh, young crew. O'Neal, Jeter. You know, he's got them all. And it's it's interesting. Tony Bennett is down at uh, City Hall, and he won't sing the national anthem. So I'm figuring he's not patriotic. You know, he's like a, a dish. He sings America the Beautiful. So I go ranting and raving on the radio, right? Oh, he wouldn't sing the national anthem. He's anti-American. Uh, months later, I run into him. He said, hey, you know how old I am, kid? He calls me kid. I can't hit those high notes any longer in the national anthem. So I stick to God bless America and America the beautiful. I'm not anti-American. Oh, man, what a schmuck I felt like. But anyway, so Johnny Alight, the Albanian bad boy, used to be best friend of John Gotti Jr. He gives me his business card, right? It's got the Albanian uh, uh, flag on it. It says Mafia Truth. And then it says, in, in order, it says... Hired killer, it's crossed out. Extortionist, it's crossed out. Racketeer, it's crossed out, you know, with like Crayola crayon. And it now says keynote speaker, movie consultant, and actor. And actually, what does he have? Like my plumber and Dennis have, and I don't have time to listen to their podcast. He has a podcast. But they have like dueling podcasts now. They used to go out and shoot it out, right? I mean, mobsters choking on their lobsters, whether they were Columbos, Bananos, Lucchese, Genovese, Gambinos, they would have mafia wars. Now their wars are relegated to podcasts. So Sammy the Bull Gravano has a podcast war against Michael Francisi, the son of Sonny Francisi, right? So they're like battling, you know, like battling DJs up there, you know, and MCs. And then, and then Johnny Haylight, he's got a podcast, and they're all battling through podcasts, you know, talking trash about one another. But their days are going out there and capping one another, or waiting in the bushes, you know, while you've had a few too many at the bar, and then all of a sudden they get the piano wire and they pull it right around your neck. What the hell happened in those days? Now, now they battle with podcasts. <laughs> hey, man, you, you better listen to my next podcast. I'm going to fill you full of... What? What What? What? what are you going to fill me full of? See, they used to threaten to shoot you. I know, because they threaten to shoot me all the time. Now they would be, oh, you think you're all bad, Sleeve, and now you're back at WABC? Well, wait till you listen to my podcast. <laughs> oh, by the way, I have a new podcast. Uh, it's not me. They wouldn't trust me to do a podcast on my own because, you know, they don't censor it the way they do live radio. So it's uh, it's uh, a father and son podcast. 
management today uh, capitulated to my oldest son, Anthony, who's 17. It's now called Anthony and Curtis, not Curtis and Anthony podcast. You can get it on WABCradio.com with all the other great podcasts here at WABC. But I don't think you can get Sammy the Bull Gravano's podcast, Michael Francisi, or John A. Light, the Albanian bad boy. Take that, Frank. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Trumpers are going to be playing this when Trump announces that he's running for the Republican nomination to take on, I don't know if Biden will still be around. I don't know if they'll go with Harris, but probably Frank Morano's hero, Buttigieg, 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 Buttigieg. Anyway, uh, coming up, uh, as sort of a fuddy-duddy uh, video meeting between Biden and Vladimir Putin. Yeah, I mean... It sort of harkens me back to what were the much better sit-downs. I mean, my favorites were Nikita Khrushchev. Oh, this guy, he was like the Jackie Gleason of the Soviet Union. He came to America. He had the kitchen cabinet with Nixon. He dealt with, um, he dealt with Eisenhower. He dealt with Kennedy. This guy was great. You know, he took his shoe off. He didn't even have Dr. Uh, Dr. Souls in there. The stink as he was banging on the table of the General Assembly, you know, calling us all like, we're going to bury you. We all remember that. He was great. Gorbachev was great. What did he have, like five sit-downs with Ronald Reagan? I mean, he was great. He was personable. Vladimir Putin, he's got no personality. Who's some of these other ones? Remember, and Andropov, Pov Chernenko, can't even pronounce these, Brezhnev. Oh, wow. Oh, they were so charismatic. And this one, Vladimir Putin, stone cold killer. He's like Clint Eastwood, you know, says very little. We'll, we'll get to that momentarily. But I want to applaud uh, John Katzmatidis, our owner-operator and a talk show host in his own right, because today... Uh, earlier today in the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion, uh, he dedicated a good portion to it, to discussing what so many radio programs kept off their radar screen. Uh, earlier today was the anniversary of the attack of Pearl Harbor on December 7th. I mean, I can't tell you. Uh, and I'm going to ask you all now. Uh, I asked my three sons, Anthony. Uh, I asked Carter. I asked Hunter. They all go to public schools. Did you have a discussion of Pearl Harbor today? Nyet. Nyet. What Pearl Harbor? 
you know, it's critical race theory, right? Oh, we got to discuss that. Oh, we don't call it critical race theory, but it is. But ladies and gentlemen, can you give me an idea? Yesterday, you you had a brain fart. None of you could recite or recount anything that was going to be happening in your town, your village, your borough, your municipality, your school system, your governmental systems, your county systems of commemorations to Pearl Harbor. You know, just a simple wreath laying, raising of the flag, a few people gathering, anything. Remember yesterday, not one person. Was, huh? It's Pearl Harbor Day. I had no idea. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But a salute to John Katsimatidis because he had on a guest, Stephen Hunnigman. Hunnigman. God, I hate these $5 words, these multisyllabic words. Anyway, this is a great guest. And he took the whole panel. Uh, let's see, the judge was in, uh, Peter King was in, I think Ed Cox was in. It's a good panel, but he took at least half of the show and dedicated it to the discussion about Pearl Harbor. So John started the discussion with Steve about did Roosevelt, did our government, did they know in advance that there would be an attack by the Japanese Admiral Yamamoto of Pearl Harbor? Did somebody in Washington know that Pearl Harbor was going to happen? Actually, the answer to that is no. Uh, we've, we've, we've learned a lot over the last 80 years about what Admiral Kimmel knew and General Short knew. They were the commanders at Pearl Harbor. We've learned a lot about what FDR and General Marshall knew. But one thing we haven't learned is that General Marshall and FDR knew before the attack was taking place where it would happen and when it would happen, and they knew that the Japanese Navy was going to attack without warning. So there was no way they could have told Admiral Kimmel to watch out and be prepared. There there was no cell phones? Mm. (laughs) No cell phones. So it seems to me from uh, this historian that unlike what I was told uh, for many, many years on many, many different occasions that FDR had actually known there was going to be this sneak attack of Pearl Harbor and he was willing to sacrifice these American seamen and other citizens uh, in that area of Oahu uh, so that it would force us to get into the war and come to the aid of the Brits uh, who were under siege. Churchill was under siege. Remember, the Brits were getting attacked on all sides, on the Atlantic side by the Germans and their Axis allies and obviously by the Japanese, Hong Kong and their many colonies uh, in Southeast Asia. Does anybody still buy that line that Roosevelt was well aware of it and said, look, I got to make this sacrifice in order to convince the American public that did not want to get into the war? The American firsters did not want to get into the war. There was a huge movement. You had had national radio shows. There was Father Coughlin out of Little Flower Parish outside of Detroit, virulent anti-Semite, but he railed, railed against getting involved in war against Germany or Japan. And then probably what was most disappointing is the hero navigator, uh, the spirit of St. Louis, who took it uh, from New York to Paris, first transatlantic uh, flight, uh, not Limburger cheese, but uh, Charles Lindbergh, 
was an American firster. He had visited with uh, Hitler, the Luftwaffe. He had said we shouldn't get involved in a war. He was an American firster. And yes, oh, that's right, the patriarch of the Kennedy clan. It wasn't the age of Camelot then, but he was the ambassador to the U.K., and the royalty was sympathetic to Hitler and the Axis powers. Yeah, in fact, some of the young little royals were actually doing goose steps and doing Nazi salutes on the grounds of Westminster. Oh, yeah, that's what I hate. I hate the royalty with a passion. But old daddy Kennedy, that's right, Joe Kennedy, who was the uh, U.S. ambassador to the U.K., was supporting the Nazis. He had to be recalled from England and sent out there. Yes, very difficult to Martha's Vineyard, yeah, you know, Cape Cod, and uh, all of, of all of those areas that were so difficult to live. But there were a lot of American firsters. In fact, before Pearl Harbor, if you had done a plebiscite or an initiative, a referendum of Americans, they would have voted not to get involved in the war. Hitler was Europe's business, Russia's business. The Japanese were not our business. We should have been minding our own business. And then that attack triggered our involvement. And not because we declared war. Obviously, we declared war against Japan. But within four or five days, Hitler had declared war against us. Anybody out there still believing that FDR knew all of this in advance but chose to do nothing so it could give him the rationale to get involved in the war. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then the, the guest was asked, what did the Japanese Navy do in the attack on Pearl Harbor that no Navy in the history of naval activities had ever done before? What's interesting is the Japanese Navy <clears throat> did something that no Navy had ever done before. Uh, and that was they went on radio silence for two weeks. Uh, they managed to steam six aircraft carriers. Nobody had ever maneuvered six aircraft carriers together uh, before. And they managed to arrive at Pearl Harbor without being seen and without being intercepted. Why was that a problem for Admiral Kimmel? Because Admiral Kimmel should have known that war was imminent. He should have known that the sanctions that FDR was putting on, on the Japanese were likely to lead to war, and he should have been prepared for the eventuality, but he wasn't. Is that true, ladies and gentlemen? Sounds good to me so far. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. He was a guest on the John Katsimatidis Roundtable discussion earlier today from 5 to 6. You don't want to miss it. Monday through Fridays. They always have these great guests who are very cogent and give you information oftentimes you didn't even get when you had time to do book reading. Then he asked uh, his guest, Stephen, if uh, FDR put serious economic sanctions on Japan, comparing it to what uh, President Joe Biden threatened to do against Vladimir Putin if, in fact, he uses 170,000 troops massed along the border with Ukraine to invade against the king of all comedy, the president of the Ukraine. FDR, in an effort to contain the Japanese aggression in China, had put serious sanctions on the Japanese. We exported uh, scrap metal and scrap steel to Japan, and he cut that off. 
we were exporting oil to Japan, and he was about to cut that off. And he had announced that he was going to freeze Japanese assets in the United States. All of that sounds kind of familiar today in its way. The Japanese and the Americans were engaged in negotiating a, a resolution. It became clear to the Japanese that uh, we weren't going to give way. And the Japanese had sent a 14-part uh, diplomatic message in code to the Japanese ambassador in Washington. We were reading that code. The last of the 14 messages arrived the night before Pearl Harbor. It was supposed to be delivered at 1300, 1 o'clock Washington time on December 7th. That was 8 o'clock in the morning in Pearl Harbor. What it said was, it, in essence, it's clear to us that we will not reach a negotiated solution and we will have to proceed with other means. Roosevelt was supposed to have said, and on reading that, this means war. The problem is that it wasn't decoded in time to be transmitted to Admiral Kimmel or his uh, Army counterpart, General <clears throat> Short. Interesting. I remember my Uncle Vincennes telling me, hey, there used to be old 3rd Avenue L here, right through Manhattan, Bronx, right through Manhattan. They took it down. All of that scrap went to the Japanese, went into their battleships, their aircraft carriers, a lot of other American scrap. But there is synergy there. You see, you cut off, you cut off resource and you impose economic sanctions. And sometimes you put a country into a corner. At least the Japanese use that as the excuse when you did the romanticized story of Admiral Yamamoto. Oh, he was American trained, USC. He wasn't like General Tojo or Emperor Hirohito. No, he was the good Japanese. Really? He's the mastermind of the attack of Pearl Harbor. I still can't understand that revisionism. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then uh, Congressman Peter King asked the guests, uh, is it true that then-Governor Dewey of New York had information that he withheld for the good of the nation. Wasn't that uh, discovered by uh, Governor Dewey in 1944? And in the national interest, he did not raise that as an issue to point to the incompetency of the uh, FDR administration? Well, he didn't raise it as an issue because he didn't want the Japanese and the Germans to right. know that we had the capacity to read the codes. So, so I mean, it was actually a patriotic gesture. I, I, I wonder if that would happen today. <laughs> uh, who knows about what would happen today? All Congressman King wanted to talk about today was, Hey, Gil Hodges, Gil Hodges, he's in the Hall of Fame at Cooperstown. Like, relax, relax. Oh, no, no, Gil Hodges, relax. God, he was a country bumpkin, Gil Hodges. You know, he wasn't a street guy. All right, he was okay. Let's not get excited. Oh, 69 Mets, he was the manager, smoking like, what, nine packs of cigarettes in the dugout? He was good. He was good. He wasn't great. He was good. Anyway, let's go uh, to the question that was asked as to whether we learned anything from the attack of Pearl Harbor about our lack of leadership at that time and our lack of preparedness. The real issue for me uh, about Pearl Harbor is what it teaches about accountability of leaders. Uh there, there were investigations almost immediately after the attack. 
The Secretary of the Navy came out and he talked to Admiral, Admiral Kimmel and General Short. They admitted they had been taken by surprise. They admitted that they were not prepared within the limits of their resources to uh, uh, observe whether an attack was going to happen. They knew that the British had attacked the Italian fleet at Taranto a year before from the air. They knew that the Japanese had attacked the Russian fleet in Port Arthur to start the war with Russia by surprise. They knew that the negotiations were not going well for the sanctions. They knew that the Japanese carriers had disappeared, that they had gone on radio silence. Admiral Kimmel, three days before the attack, turned to his intelligence officer and said, we've lost the carriers, we don't know where they are, you mean they could be rounding Diamond Head right now, and we wouldn't know. And yet he and General Short didn't fly reconnaissance, they locked the ammunition so that the guns couldn't fire until somebody found a way to unlock the ready ammunition. You didn't need a commission. He went to the admiral. He went to the general. Did you know? No, we didn't know. <laughs> he just admitted. They they were incompetent. They weren't good leaders. They were ill-prepared. You imagine nowadays, no, got to talk to my lawyers. <laughs> you got to subpoena me. You know, they'll do a Roger Stone. I'm not showing up. Me and Bannon, we're not showing up. Take that subpoena and stick it where the sun don't shine, right? This guy goes up, hey, uh, did you know about it? No. How come you didn't know about it? Because we were incompetent. Really? Yeah, we were stunats. But you see, the Japanese were different. Remember, many of their generals, many of their admirals made the same mistakes, as we know, throughout the course of the war. Except they had a remedy for that. Take the knife out. (laughs) Harry Carey. I would love to see Harry Carey being done by our CEOs who ripped off America, especially from 2008, and our, our many failed politicians, Democrats and Republicans. Wouldn't you like it? They get up there and they say, look, you're right. I'm really a bad person. But you, you're not going to have to worry about incarcerating me, a long trial, you know, where it's like free, three hots and a cot, free optical, free dental, free trips to the law library so that my overpaid lawyers can figure out nuances in the law to spring me or get me a retrial, right? No, they just take a sharpened knife. <laughs> Done. Done. You mess up, you fess up, and then you commit Harry Carey. So much better. Actually, it's not it's messy for, for a minute. But that's the short term. The benefits are long term. You don't have to deal with this guy. He's room temperature. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Peter, patiently waiting on the line from New York. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Peter. I just want to know if anybody forgot the name Billy Mitchell and the quarterback, the court marshal of Billy Mitchell. And they didn't know when we were going to get attacked. Wait, Billy Mitchell. You know who Billy Mitchell is? Uh, yeah. Wasn't he a baseball player who played for the Boston Braves? No, he was. A, he, he invented the Air Force. That's right. And didn't he actually. He had an Air Force. And he told us the country that was going to attack us, he told us it was going to be in Hawaii. Pearl Harbor, he told us the whole thing, maybe 10, 15 years, 20 years, 
before it happened, and they couldn't find the Japanese, they uh, want to die. So, Peter, you're suggesting that there was something conspiratorial about this. Well, you hate to think it about American blood against Americans. I mean, you hate to think it. But, I mean, we were told before we had an Air Force that this was going to happen. We had guys flying around looking for flying lessons that went into the World Trade Center. So, I mean, what is it? Now, you're right. You're right. I apologize to you. I shouldn't have made that joke about Billy Mitchell playing for the Boston Braves because you're right. Basically, he was the godfather of our Air Force. That's right. That's right. And I wish they would play that picture so everybody could watch it. How many years ago was that? Ooh, I mean, we're talking after World War One. Uh, before, before the attack on Pearl Harbor, how many years? Oh, he told us everything. Yep, he yep. told them how, how they were going to go in. He told them they were going to have aircraft carriers. I'm telling you, Peter, what I'm going to do is uh, this. I'm going to shift off to Frank Morano, who loves everything that came out of the 1930s. The flappers, everything. I mean, you know, silent movies, black and white film, the Billy Mitchell story, which was a great movie. I think that Frank should host a film festival uh, in which we play all the silent movies. And Frank can actually, you know, explain to you what's going on. You know, no subtitles. It'll just be Frank. It'll be like rambling with Frank Morano. Yeah. He'll like that, too. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. W-A-B-C. Wow, with the news today, Frank Morano's going to be for toots. He loves Atlantic City. Well, he's not going to like the fact that they raised the tolls on the New Jersey Turnpike and the Garden State Expressway. Parkway, excuse me. But, you know, when he makes it to the Atlantic City Expressway, you know, that last leg, he realized, hey, you know, I could shoot. I can be shooting craps all night. He's going like 100 miles an hour. I think I think speed limit on the Atlantic City Expressway, I think is uh, like 65 last time I was going there. If anybody is out there and can correct me on that, constructively give me criticism on that, well, let me know if I'm right, if it's 65. Sounds a little high to me. But you never know. Degenerate gamblers, you know, they gotta they gotta get there quick to lose their money. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's one eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Later on we're gonna talk about how Frank Morano, with his Yugo, would be pulled over, going a hundred miles an hour by, you know, the uh, New Jersey state troopers, and now they can't, no, they can't find him, they can't arrest him, they can't ask him for any paperwork. They just have to let him know that he is now going to be processed through procedural justice. Wait till you hear what this means. You get nothing. Yeah, blow, go 100 miles an hour, right? Blow through every traffic light, uh, break every rule of the road, and now in Atlantic City and nearby Pleasantville. What is that? Wasn't that that movie where everything was like black and white, Pleasantville? Freaky deaky. Yeah, the cops say basically, here's a pamphlet. Uh, it tells you about my family. It tells you like you should be a better driver, but don't do it again. Procedural justice. 
whereas there would have been points, right, points on your insurance, and Frank Morano would have been pounding the hound, taking the Greyhound to Atlantic City to shoot dice. We're going to be talking about that later on, but uh, coming up, right, it's, uh, what, January 1st? Uh, I think that's the annual trek that Frank Morano makes to Atlantic City. Not quite sure which uh, uh, joint he's going to be using out of the many casinos there to have his, uh, let's dip in the fromage and drink some wine. You know, he loves the fromage and drink some wine. So for Frank Morano, you know, it could be that uh, Velveeta cheese and a little uh, Midnight Express. It doesn't matter. You mix and match cheeses and wines, whether they're low budget, they're high end, they're imported, they're domestic. He does this once a year. Guaranteed, you pack on the pounds. And that's one of the reasons that when he gets back on track to Atlantic City and he's celebrating the fact that he was going 100 miles an hour on the Atlantic City Expressway, and now the cops are just telling him basically, well, it's procedural justice, sir. Just uh, take my pamphlet with my information. I'm sorry for stopping you. What the hell is happening out there? Well, Frank now goes to the skinny center. He needs it. And many of you, you need it. And if you don't need it now, you'll need it once you get through Christmas and the endless visits the relatives and friends make and the leftovers and everything that goes with that up until the dropping of the ball on January 1st and all the booze, all the hooch you're going to drink. That's going to pack on the pounds. So you got Frank going to the skinny center. And you got Greg Kelly going to the Skinny Center because, hey, you know, 7 o'clock at night is showtime, Newsmax. He's got to be thin and trim. And he doesn't want to look a little porky. So he's contacted Mitch Such, as has Frank. He's the founder of the Skinny Center. By the way, he's also my sister's kid's godfather. So, you know, it's like uh, we know one another. You're going to somebody I know, he knows me, okay? It's it's trustworthy. And first thing they're going to do for you or somebody that you're recommending to the Skinny Center is give a comprehensive lab testing of yourself or the person who's going, which is going to pinpoint the abnormalities in your body chemistry that are the reasons that you're like a Pac-Man, Pac-Woman, overeating, craving sugar. And always hungry and on the prowl. Yeah, your back scratch in there. I forget which rapper just recently died and would use his belly to back scratch. Come on, if you happen to know that, you know, it's, it, it's the rapper who uh, Bernard McGurk loved. You know, coming out of the Monroe housing projects in the South Bronx. So we're talking Soundview across from the Sotomayor. The Sotomayor projects. You know what I'm talking about. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Get a pen and pen, because if you want to follow in the footsteps of Frank and Greg Kelly and get slim and trim, get that fat off your rack, call the Skinny Center right now. Join Frank and Greg Lickety Split and talk to Mitch Suss, the founder, at 914-703-4811. That's 914-703-4811. Sign up now, and they're going to give you three free facials as opposed to me giving you a concrete facial. Uh, The effects will be completely different. Trust me on that. 914-703-4811 or go to theskinnycenter.com. That's theskinnycenter.com. The hell, you had that drunk in Wrigley Field singing? 
surprised he didn't fall out of the box there, right on, on the north side of Chicago there, Wrigley Field. Guy was always drunk as a skunk. You ever see that sketch of Will Ferrell playing him on SNL? No, I didn't think where that. He's, he's, I, didn't, I didn't think Will Ferrell was funny. Really? God, did you ever see that, that sketch of Will Ferrell on SNL? See, see what I got to deal with here. See what I got to deal with here. 1 800 848 We're talking about something serious. The attack on Pearl Harbor, the lack of commemorations, almost no attention paid to it in our school systems that we pay so much of our tax dollars for. And this guy, hey, Will Ferrell, yeah, SNL. Let's go to Big Julie calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Big Julie. Curtis, uh, this uh, Pearl Harbor thing. I believe till today, even my relatives believe that Roosevelt knew that this was going to happen. But in a good way, it had to happen as bad as it was. We were being surrounded between the Nazis and the Japanese he can see the potential that they were getting quite big and out of control in Europe, big in the Pacific. Plus, we were in a depression. We needed to get out of that financially, build up the military, help the economy, and build the greatest nation in the world. And that incident, as big as it was, was the beginning to helping a lot of people in Europe, in the Pacific, and even before these uh, these this this uh, war machine on both sides getting to the United States. Well, well, that's and interesting because uh, going back to the guest that was with John Katzenmatidis on his roundtable discussion at five o'clock, uh, he was asked about the war warning message. But let me play devil's advocate a moment for Admiral Kimmel. Sure. Did anyone in Washington at all, apart from what he was supposed to know on his own, did anyone in the State Department or the White House tell him that a war could be imminent? He received the message on November 27. It was called a war warning message. It said, consider this a war warning message. What it didn't tell him, and it couldn't tell him, was that the war would start one morning without notice at Pearl Harbor. Uh-huh. Well, that plays into a little bit of what Big Julie was saying. A little bit. Not a whole lot. A little bit. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So then John Katsimatidis compared the attack of Pearl Harbor to what's happening today. So let's go to today. President Biden speaking to Putin. You know, with the, 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 uh, President Putin has 170,000 people on the border of the Ukraine. And President Biden uh, is threatening President Putin. What could happen? What could happen would be somebody knows how to bluff and somebody knows how to call a bluff. And maybe somebody makes a mistake. And we all suffer for it. And we all suffer for it. Then we were comparing Japan to Red China. So Japan in 1939-1940 to Red China 2021. China, we have heard some news, John, right, that they wanted to acquire some sort of uh, uh, base or something near the Bahamas, over by Africa. Talk- well, no, but they, 
by the African coast? Mm-hmm. Or, or, or let, let, let's pose the question this way. Well, you way. know what? I'll, yeah. I'll tie, let, me, let me tie this back to Japan for a second. Right. Because what's really interesting is how the wheel of history turns. We were enemies of Japan. We fought a world war with them. Now they're our friend. In fact, now the Japanese Navy and the American Navy are operating together. I've walked on the destroyer pier in Pearl Harbor. Lined up on the pier are the American Aegis destroyers, top of the line. In the middle of that line was a Japanese Aegis destroyer flying the rising sun flag. Times change. And Japan, remember, the Japanese uh, prime minister just said that an attack on Taiwan would be a problem for Japan. Now, he failed to mention one other thing. We now have Japanese baseball players playing here in the American and National Leagues from Japan. The question I ask all of you, who is the Babe Ruth of all Japanese baseball players, never had a chance to play here in America for an American team, but was considered the Babe Ruth of the Japanese leagues. And by the way, I'll throw another tip out there. I happen to have met him in organizing Guardian Angels in Japan. He was a manager of a baseball team at that time. He wasn't born and raised in Japan. Ha, tip! Ha, tip! Ah, strain the bear. Oh, oh! He's the Babe Ruth of Japanese baseball, but he wasn't born and raised in Japan. Boy, that'll really be a brain buster for the Frank Morano listeners and callers. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then the discussion came about Japan's demilitarization in the aftermath of their loss to America and our allies. Uh, They were no longer an offensive war machine. They basically became pacifists. Which means that they can use their so-called defense force with respect to repelling that attack, which they could not do if they hadn't made that declaration. Well, that's, that's, that's part of the Japanese constitution. Right. And how it's being interpreted. And again, that goes back to uh, to the end of World War II when the Japanese uh, in their constitution uh, forswore uh, aggressive, uh, an aggressive military. Didn't General MacArthur write that? He certainly helped. Yeah. I see Peter King was getting it on with the guest on the John Katsimatidis roundtable discussion that you can hear every Monday through Friday from 5 to 6. And then finally... The guest was asked to compare Chinese Navy today, 2021, to our United States Navy, especially in the Pacific. They have now a larger fleet in the Pacific than we have. In fact, a larger overall fleet, more boats. Uh, what do you think of where the balance of, uh, of the power is there? Well, it, first, you can't just count the number of hulls. Who, which of us has a more capable Navy in the Western Pacific? And I think it is still the Americans. Which of us has more allies with other navies in the Western Pacific? It's the Americans. And remember, we're not based in Hawaii still. You know, we have a tremendous base in Guam. Uh, we have alliances uh, all through the Western and, and Southeastern uh, part of the Pacific. Again, if you go back to the wheel of history, uh, who's looking to us uh, for support right now? It's Vietnam. 
another former uh, enemy. So I think I think for the uh, Chinese right now, it's still it's not a game of checkers. It's a game of go. Who's going to be in a position and who's going to try to push them away? And I think that we're still very capable and we're there to stay. Is that true? The Red Chinese Navy, which is uh, building up as we speak, is no match for the United States Navy in the Pacific? Is that what we want to believe? Is it true? Or are we only deluding ourselves? one 800 That's one 800 wabc When we come back, we got to talk about this uh, piece of legislation that will be passed in New York City City Council, I believe on Friday, that will allow green card holders and those with working visas to vote in city elections. There's about 800,000 people who would qualify, and a lot of people are getting bent out of shape. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Remember when you were a kid? You had what? The silver cup? That was high-end. Tip-top bread or the generic white bread. You get a nice uh, swab of peanut butter, generic again, with a little fluff and nutter in there. Eat a few of those sandwiches. And let me tell you something. You had, uh, <laughs> your stomach was bound. You wouldn't be sitting on that porcelain palace for a month of Sundays. Just plain peanut butter sandwiches. And sometimes you feel like that now, and you're not eating peanut butter and fluffing other sandwiches anymore like you were when you were a kid. But you got to get everything cleansed out. you got to get everything moving. And you're not going to drink a whole bottle of prune juice. Well, you'll never get off the porcelain palace. Instead, think of Life Change Tea at GetTheTea.com. It'll give you a gentle daily cleanse that tastes great and works to get things moving. No, no, not like a tsunami. Just nice, slow move. Now, the kind of stress that we're all under, that wreaks havoc on your digestive tract, on your goiter, on your ileitis, your colitis, your chronic Crohn's disease, all those things that I have. So if you're feeling stopped up because of it and bloated, that's never a good thing. Just reach for your life change tea. It's all natural and non-GMO. One package will last you almost a lifetime, one month. For me, that's a lifetime. Life Change Tea is the only is only available by logging on to the website getthetea.com. That's getthetea.com. You use the promo code Frank and you get free shipping. It's not COD. Use the promo Frank, you get free shipping. So while you're there, check out all their products designed for your optimum health at getthetea.com. That's your life change tea at getthetea.com. 77 WABC All American It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano 77 WABC Can't you just imagine that coming together you have the two caravans what were they in El Salvador Guatemala Honduras Coming north through Mexico, it's like the march of the wooden soldiers, you know, from the Wizard of Oz. 
Although I will tell you this, ladies and gentlemen, I have strained your brain with a courtesy with super spectacular question. Who was the Babe Ruth of the Japanese leagues? Although he was not born, was not raised in Japan. Chris from Brooklyn thinks he's got it. Is that correct, Chris? Saduhara O. Wow. How did you know that, Chris? I know that because I followed baseball many years because they became an incredible disappointment. And uh, I'm talking about Major League Baseball, but that's another story, isn't it? Anyway, about the uh, Pearl Harbor. Now, hold on a second. Before you hit Pearl Harbor, let's not uh, let's not go past. I hit Pearl Harbor. Wait a minute. That was 80 years ago. I wasn't even born. I understand that. So let's talk first Japanese baseball, and then we'll talk Pearl Harbor. Remember, uh, this is back in the 60s when the Yankees were, like, winning everything in the early 60s. And then after the World Series, they'd always send, like, an all-star team to Japan. And they would play the Japanese all-stars. They would go. I heard about that. Right. They'd go from Tokyo to Japan to Sendai uh, all the way down uh, to, uh, uh, what's that, Uh, Fukioto. I'm just making that up. (laughs) I wouldn't have known. People would say, oh, yeah, I've been to Fukuyo. Yeah, I served in the Navy uh, six years in Japan. But anyway, the point being is Sarah O would do better than all the American ballplayers. He was short. He batted lefty. He hit more home runs than any of the Americans. And he was born and raised in Taiwan. He was not born and raised in Japan. So the Japanese, although... They recognized him as the all-time home run champion in Japan. Really didn't like him because, you know, he was like uh, from the time of Chiang Kai-shek, the Chinese nationalist, but he ended up in Japan. And, in fact, the Taiwanese have quite a few great baseball players also. Yes. Um, and those days... Whoa, 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 about Taiwanese baseball players, Japanese baseball players. It was sort of like uh, a combination of the sporting news and Sports Illustrated, a courtesy with super spectacular update, and you go, uh. I didn't say that. You acted like, uh, you know, you were bothered by what I was talking no, about. No, not at all. I was just that, no, there were a lot of people that were bothered back in the day because they said, well, he hit home runs against Japanese pitchers, which weren't, didn't measure up to Major League Baseball pitchers like Tom Terrific, Seaver, and Nolan Ryan, et cetera, and so forth. And that's what I meant. Why did you just mention New York Met pitchers at that time? Why did you have to only mention New York Met pitchers, Chris? Strange, strange as it is, I was always a Yankees fan. Okay? It's just that they were they were top-notch. With oh, all oh, hold up, hold up. Chris. I'm going to hold on. You yeah. should take the shredded Mike Piazza bat, you know, with Roger Clemens, <laughs> and you should impale yourself for saying that. Oh, boy. You are a, oh. a Yankee fan, and that yet you was, use as an examples of great that, American pitchers. Don't Tom Seaver and Nolan Ryan. What a disgraziata. I mentioned scumbag right earlier. And that was a big disappointment, okay? So after that... Get rid of him. You know, it, it, look, there are rules to this. There is no such thing as, I'm a Yankee fan, but I like the Mets. 
Can't. Impossible. There's no such thing, I'm a Met fan, but I like the Yankees. No, you don't. If you're a real baseball fan, you hate the National League team. You hate the National League team to begin with because they want to send up pitchers who couldn't hit with a two-by-four up there if a guy was pitching underhanded. The American League has the designated hitter. It makes for a much more interesting game. Oh, but, oh, you National Leaguers, we're purists. You know what you're full of? Puree. And then all of a sudden, oh, yo, oh, oh, you, how many, you, you sound like a politician, right? Oh, you know, I really like the Yankees, but, you know, I like the Mets too. And then you'd be like Comrade Bill de Blasio, a screwball. You claim you're a Met fan. Although you pay allegiance to Utradito, the Boston Red Sox, you talk about Fenway Park, you wear a number six throwback jersey of the New York Mets and you claim it's in honor of Rico Petroselli. Rico Petroselli, who was born and raised in Brooklyn, played shortstop for Lafayette, we are here, ended up going to the Boston Red Sox in the draft, played shortstop, and Joe Foy from the Bronx, who ended up dying on Sedwick Avenue by poking himself with a dirty needle. That was the left side of the Boston Red Sox infield. Came from New York. Now that's a courtesy with Super Sports Spectacular. How many of you out there knew that? Come on. You're learning something. Instead of this last caller, uh, eh, eh, eh. I mean, what are they talking about on the fan right now? They don't have Steve Salmers anymore overnight. You know, they probably have some guys, oh, this concert I went to, oh, 1972, it's amazing. What the hell, it's a, it's a sports station. And they're talking concerts. Oh, I went to this theater show. Oh, I had this dirty water hot dog with relish and mustard. It's like they talk everything but sports. This... Probably this has gotten me more upset than Frank Morano himself. This guy, I just, I can't get over this. He claims he's a Yankee fan. A tried it, right? Didn't he say, I'm a tried and true Yankee fan? But he mentioned, oh, great pitches like Tom Seaver and Nolan Ryan. Like, there were never any great Yankee pitches. Ron Guidry. Like, you could have mentioned Yankee pitches who also pitched for the Mets if you really wanted to bifurcate it. But I will never mention Roger Clemens because he was always a freaking Red Sox. And beat the Mets. Bring your kiddies, bring your wife. Yeah, you ever ever look at the parking lot there, Steve Cohen's parking lot there in City Field? It looks like a demolition derby. Really does. Like uh, the land of three-eyed cousin fornicators. These poor people pony up all the money they can to give it to that rip-off artist, that inside trader guy who should be in jail, who owns the New York Mets, Steve Cohen. I'm, I'm getting a little angry here. Oh, in the meantime, you know, we were talking about how on uh, on December 9th, that's Thursday, uh, City Council of New York, you know, all the Democratic Socialists of America, all the justice warriors are going to sign into legislation a bill that will give voting rights to 800,000 residents who either have green cards or visas, working visas. I want to ask a brain buster to you. I mean, I'm opposed to that. 
although I would have had an initiative and referendum and let the actual legal voters make that determination. Are you aware that there was an illegal alien who was mayor in Jersey City? Yeah, your eyeballs just rolled around in your head. And it wasn't like, oh, 200 years ago or maybe at the birth of our country, you know, like 300 years ago. No, no. There was a sitting mayor in Jersey City who was an illegal alien. If anyone happens to know, call 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And you will win a Curtis Lee Booby Prize. Don't ask, don't tell, because we throw nickels around like manhole covers. You'll be lucky if you get my belly button lint. We will seal it up formatically with scotch tape, and it will be sent COD. You're going to pay the postage. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. You see, you don't even know that a mayor in Jersey City was an illegal alien. Jersey City. And by the way, there was somebody who lived at 2230 Ocean Parkway in the heart of Brooklyn who uh, was an illegal alien and was the head of Italian organized crime not that long ago. A freaking illegal alien. Where was Lemigre? Immigration and Naturalization Service, huh? Oh, that's right. They weren't started until after the attack of 9-11 ICE. Okay, I give them a break. But see, nobody in the Frank Morano galaxy of listeners and callers has any idea what I'm talking about now. Not a centifia of an idea. I give all these hints, I give all these tidbits, these progresso breadcrumbs of information. It is so obvious. A sitting mayor of Jersey City, not all that long ago, who was an illegal alien. And you're, you're making that up. That's impossible. No, it was for real. And everybody knew about it. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And the head of organized crime who lived at 2230 Ocean Parkway, a very simple two-story building. I don't know how many dead bodies were under the foundation, but he was an illegal alien. Do we have one person who can answer this question? My God. And then later on in the show, we're going to ask 10 questions in 60 seconds. And if they get 10 answers in 60 seconds, they get $1,000 of Frank Morano's money that he doesn't have. Now, to me, that's a ripoff. The first two questions are layups, people. You should get those. <laughs> All right. Let, let's go. Or maybe Joanne here in Texas can give us the answer. Uh, Joanne, do you know the illegal aliens that I'm talking about, Joanne? Yeah, I do, Curtis. Hi. <laughs> Boy, you're a little. Yeah, 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 you're not yeah, using yeah. Molly or ecstasy. You're a little giddy tonight, uh, Joanne. No, no, no. To be honest with you, Curtis, yeah, we have a real problem on the border, but I don't know what's wrong with Joe Biden. Honestly, that he wants to uh, allow cartels and human traffickers and human smugglers and who knows who else terrorist people to cross our borders without any checks and balances. Where, where, where did this come from? What? The, I guess simple questions. Who was the illegal alien who was mayor in Jersey City not that long ago? And who was the illegal alien not that long ago who was the head of organized crime who lived? I'll give you the address, right? 2230 Ocean Parkway, a two-story simple house built on dead bodies that were buried underneath it. 
Nobody knows. Yeah, I wanted to ask you a question, though, about Emmett Till. Um, Emmett Till? What does that have to do with illegal aliens? Oh, these, you see, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. These are the Frank Morano listeners, special ed. I go through all of this, right? I, I give them clues, hints. I basically lead them to the promised land. And what do they give me in return? This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. should have been the song that Joe Biden, president now for 323 days, should have played before doing that video conference with Vladimir Putin. Show him this is an American band, right? An American band. Leslie West, Felix Papagliardi. Let him know. Let him pump it up there. Pump up that volume with American pride. He didn't do that. In fact, apparently, uh, President Joe Biden had some uh, video problems and audio problems from the start. Sounds like some of the broadcasts here at WABC. Uh, maybe he had the same engineers. Maybe they were, were using the tower in Lodi, New Jersey, the 50,000 powerful watts of sound. But anyway, the uh, video conference uh, call was lifeless. Hey, how you, hey, Fred, how you doing? Hey, hey, let's swap some vodka. Huh? You know, it's just dull. Vladimir Putin has kicked Barack Obama's ass in meetings, kicked Donald Trump's ass in meetings, and has kicked Joe Biden's butt in meetings. But he is lifeless. He has no personality. There is no charisma. There is nothing about Vladimir Putin that makes for good TV. Not only that, he's shorty short. He's like, you need an electron microscope to see the guy. But I want to take you back to the glory days of the Cold War. When you wanted everyone to know you're an American. They had missiles aimed at us. We had missiles aimed at them. A trigger, a hair trigger, could have ended up creating... Armageddon. And then all of a sudden, after 
Joe Stalin. Oh, yeah, the FDR, Churchill at Yalta, Joe Stalin. They gave all of Europe away to Joe Stalin, right? The guy had a severe case of acne. I mean, the worst case of acne I ever saw in my life. Clearasil couldn't have helped that guy, taking Clearasil baths. But this was a stone-cold killer. Charles Bronson could have played Joe Stalin. No personality, lifeless, right? So he's meeting with FDR Gregarious, and you know Churchill with the cigar, half in the bag by 10 in the morning, you know. It's like, these guys had charisma. So all of a sudden, Joe Stalin, who knows, maybe he choked on his own uh, his own greed, whatever. He was from Georgia. And I know a lot of Frank uh, Morano is in Georgia. I didn't know he was from Georgia. Where? Outside of Athens, Georgia? Where was he? Uh, outside of Atlanta? No, Georgia. You know, part of the old Soviet satellite nations. Azerbaijan, Armenia, Georgia, you know. I take them on a tour. Oh, yeah. uh, Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, uh-huh. Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan. You know, the Central Asian republics where a lot of the hairstylists come from, Tashkent. Now, when you get your hairstyle, right away you say, oh, you're from Uzbekistan, Tashkent. Yeah, 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 cut my hair. That's all I need you to do. And by the way, what was one of the greatest movies of all time that had Kazakhstan in the title of the movie? One of the greatest of all time movies. It's a real stone out audience here. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Before we go to the guy who competed with Jackie Gleason on TV in the 50s and 60s, the Soviet version, he was that good. He was a TV star here. Nothing like we have now. Jeff here, uh, let me give the numbers out here, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Jeff in Jersey City. Is this uh, who I think it is? It's... Yeah, yes, it is. Curtis. Oh. Uh, I got the answer for you. Anyway, all, right, all right, all right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you some slack. I'm going to give you some because, you know, you disparaged me right before I took over uh, for Dominic. All right, okay. All right. It wasn't really mean to, to, to you know, uh, be personal, hurt your feeling, nothing like that. Look, I, I gave I you a stay on your execution. It's okay. You got to stay on your execution. All right, okay, okay. All right. Uh, so, again, Jamie was the mayor uh, yes. early around 50 or 61. I was in second grade, Curtis. Uh, my, my father met Dan Jimmy. He said, actually, he was, a, he was a nice man and he could get things done. He was a hard worker. Uh, they had a, like a fruit, um, a fruit, you know, fruit and vegetable business downtown. Uh, they used to, you know, uh, truck it over to New York to the market and all that. Uh, they were hardworking people. He was from uh, Calabria or someplace like that in Italy. And you know what? People knew about it before he was even elected, and they should have said something. Why did they go through the process of the election and then let him get in and serve two, two, two years and then throw him out? It was to shame him, I think. You know, maybe Brilliant. something like that. Brilliant. In fact, you are so correct. Uh, Mayor Ganjemi, he had been put in charge of public works first by the old boss, Haig. Remember Mayor Haig? So Mayor Haig basically was his protector, his Medici. And so all of a sudden, Mayor Ganjemi is feeling good. He's the mayor now. He's protected by the Haig machine. You know, he can do no wrong. And he decides, I want to bring my beautiful wife back to Calabria because he is Calabrese. 
So he goes, and they say, we're checking your papers here. You're not even a citizen. He said, what are you talking about? I'm the mayor of Jersey City. They said, no, you're not a citizen. We're going to deport you. Deport him, Jeff. Yeah, it was it was a bum deal, man. It, it, you know, they, they, they had a notion of it before because many of the Italians were, were coming in from Italy. And, and you know, people knew, uh, you, you know, it was the unwritten or the undocumented or something. But you know what? Beautiful citizens, great, hardworking people uh, made for a great city. I was uh, born and raised there. Uh, same hospital as uh, Sinatra's daughter. I was born in uh, uh, Margaret Haig's uh, maternity, state-of-the-art hospital. Uh, so these people, you know, the Italians came over and were doing a hell of a job in Jersey City. They were good working people. And, well, you know, uh, I recent, think- recently I saw in the Jersey Journal, it's one of the papers I love, uh, Mayor Fulop, you know, another graduate of Goldmine Sachs. I don't know why you guys are always going for graduates of the corrupt Goldmine Sachs. But he had a speech, and he gave a speech, and he said, immigrants are part of our fabric. And so somebody asked him in the crowd, they said, do you know that we had an illegal alien who was the mayor here? No, you're lying. No, that's impossible. Here's the guy from Goldmine Sachs who thinks in the future he's going to be governor of New Jersey over your dead bodies there in Jersey. And he didn't even know that an illegal alien had sat in that same seat near Grove Street as mayor of the city of Jersey City. I knew. I'm not from Jersey City. I didn't go to Snyder High School. No, 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 no. I didn't go to St. Peter's in Jersey City, a Jesuit high school. No, 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 no. I knew. But Mr. Goldmine Sachs, the mayor of Jersey City, who thinks he's going to be the future governor, said, immigrants are part of our fabric. Didn't even know that. Let's ask the other courtesy with super small spectacular question again. This is, should not be a brain buster for the Frank Morano listeners. The head of organized crime. He lived at 2230 Ocean Parkway, two-story building where there were dead bodies buried in the foundation. Very auspicious, 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 whatever. You know what I'm talking about. You know, these multisyllabic uh, uh, words, these $5 words are difficult for me. And um, he was an illegal alien. The head of organized crime wasn't all that long ago. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But let me get back on track. I digressed. There was a guy in the late 50s and early 60s here who was on TV, I think, as much as Jackie Gleason. He was the Soviet version of Jackie Gleason. He was Nikita Khrushchev. This guy was like, I mean, he looked like Jackie Gleason in many ways. And there was a kitchen cabinet set up involving then Vice President Richard Nixon, uh, not Dwight Eisenhower, the president, because he was boring. So they send in Vice President Richard Nixon to the Soviet Union, where they were having some kind of international ex- exhibition. And, I mean, Richard Nixon is, like, debating Nikita Khrushchev, and this is on American TV. And, you know, Nikita Khrushchev is wearing the fedora and the tan coat, the tan jacket. 
And he's, he's saying to Richard Nixon, by the time I get through with you guys in America, your grandkids are going to be communists. <laughs> and then Richard Nixon said, no, 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 your grandkids, no, make that your great-grandchildren are going are gonna to be loving American democracy. And they were really, really getting it on. He was on TV as much as Jackie Gleason. In fact, let me give you a little bit of a flavor with translation, of course, of the kitchen cabinet sit-down between then-Vice President Richard Nixon and Nikita Khrushchev, who had already gone on a tirade at the General Assembly in the United Nations by taking his smelly shoe off, hitting it over and over on the desk, screaming, I will bury you, America! I will bury you! We wish you success. You could show us American possibilities... And then we could say, here is what American possibilities are. How many years has America existed already? 300? 150 years of independence. Well then, we will say America has existed 150 years, and this is her level of achievement. We have existed not quite 42 years. And seven years from now, we will be on the same level of achievement as America. And the following years, we shall continue to surge ahead. And when we shall overtake you at the crossroads, we will greet you amiably. That was the translation of what Nikita Khrushchev was lecturing Richard Nixon and America about. How many of you remember those kitchen cabinet meetings and how they were like ratings grabbers? I mean, everybody wanted to watch it. This guy was an entertainer. He wasn't just threatening to bury us. He was quite the entertainer. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So they had their kitchen cabinet meeting in, uh, I think it was outside of Moscow for this international exhibition. And so in the spirit of peaceful coexistence, remember that word, peaceful coexistence, Vice President Nixon, on behalf of President Eisenhower, in, uh, invited uh, Nikita Khrushchev and his wife to come to America. But here was more of their exchange. And after that, if you wish, we can stop and tell you, please follow us. And for people everywhere, there must be a free exchange of ideas. Uh, there are some instances where you may be ahead of us. For example, in the development of your of the thrust of your rockets for the investigation of outer space. There may be some instances, for example, color television, where we're ahead of you. But in order for both of us, for both of us, in what are they ahead of us? Wrong, wrong. We are ahead of you in rockets as well as in this technique. I do not capitulate. <laughs> You you must not be afraid of ideas. That's what we're telling you. Don't be afraid of ideas. What a showman. You heard what he said there? He actually got Nixon, even though he didn't speak English, to the translator. And the translators are yakking right in Nixon's ear, Nikita Khrushchev's ear, right on the stage. You can hear the translators. 
Remember how good those meetings were? Come on. It wasn't just good for peaceful coexistence, even though n- nuclear missiles were aimed at the heartland of the USSR. Didn't the Beatles do a USSR song? I, that's, I hated the Beatles. I hated the Beatles with a passion. Uh, our American missiles aimed at the heartland of the USSR. The Soviet uh, missiles aimed at the heartland of America. I mean the heartland. Iowa, Nebraska, Arkansas, Missouri. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Definitely do a commemoration retrospective of John Lennon, who I liked. Yeah, Harrison, Harry Harrison, you know, okay. George Harrison. I'm fixated on Harry Harrison, who called himself the, the mayor of the morning. I mean, he never got elected. They didn't have Dominion and Smartmatic machines then. They didn't have scanners. They didn't have paper ballots. And yet he come on every morning. I remember listening to him. I'm the mayor of the morning. Well, guess what? I'm the mayor of the night. And right away, there'll be people saying, you can't, you can't call yourself that. Well, he called himself that. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. We're going to get back to Nikita Khrushchev, the Jackie Gleason, uh, competed with Jackie Gleason for TV coverage time in the late 50s and 60s. That's how he dominated American TV with his many visits here. 1-800-848-WABC. But let's first go to Tom in White Plains, who seems to know the riddle of which illegal alien lived at 2230 Ocean Parkway in Brooklyn, who was the head of organized crime. Uh, That was the one of two residences he had. Uh, The other one was in Massapequa Park, and that's the late, great Carlo Gambino. That's right. Massapequa Park, believe it or not, was his summer home. A summer home. Well, okay. Who the hell would have a summer home in in Matsapizza? Massapequa. No, no. It's Matsapizza. Oh, Matsapizza. I got you. Yeah, it's half Jewish, half Italian. Am I right? I am half Italian. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Let me tell you the the odyssey of how he got here. He was born in Palermo, of course, in Sicilia. He was a, he was a stowaway. That's and do you know on whose ship he was a stowaway? That I couldn't tell you. He came across on the SS Vincenzo Florio. And what that was is the grandfather of uh, Governor Florio. Remember Florio Free in 93 in New Jersey? No. Where were you? Were you in, incarcerated in jail, maybe in Arizona? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, remember, Governor Florio, who raised the taxes in New Jersey and said, hey, uh, the, the great Bob Grant uh, went on a crusade to get him out of office. Uh, the battle cry was Florio Free in 93. He elevated Christine Todd Whitless, who was a person of no consequence. She went on to victory. And Florio, who originally was from Brooklyn, 
he was uh, he was uh, delivering uh, meat. The uh, I think his uh, father was uh, owner of a butcher shop, but his grandfather was the El Capitano of the SS Vincenzo Florio, where Carlo Gambino stowed away and came to America. Mamma mia, Curtis! I want to go shoot myself. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't finish yet. Wait a second. And for everyone else out there who's a purist when it comes to illegal aliens, we can't have illegal aliens in our country. Well, we've had quite a few who became infamous. Is anyone familiar with the club in Garfield, New Jersey, where they're like part Polish, part Italian? It's like a tricolor, a Trinity Troika trifecta. You have Mexicans, uh, Poles, and you have Italians living in Garfield. They have the Boat Jumpers Club. You know what the Boat Jumpers uh, represent? They are families where generally the men came across from Europe first. And as they approached America, you know, as they were coming towards uh, Ellis Island, towards the port of Hoboken, they jumped. They jumped out near Point Pleasant on the Jersey Shore, swam ashore, and they never became legal citizens. That's why they were called the Boat Jumpers. Oh, yeah. And like I said, they brought with them the traditions of of Italy. They hadn't been Americanized. And in fact, Carlo Gambino, the head of the Gambino crime family and eventually all of organized crime, the Capo di Tutti, had married his uh, cousin, Castellano. You know, Italians were always marrying their first cousins or second cousins or third cousins. And what is it with that? How come out of all the ethnic groups out there, I mean, all of them, it doesn't matter where you go, you could go to Africa, you could go to Asia, you could go to South America, Central America, it doesn't matter, you go throughout Europe, the only group of people that marry their own cousins are Italians. How the hell can that be? First cousin, second cousin, third cousin. So in this case, Carlo Gambino, Marries his cousin Castellano. And, yep, you know the rest of the story. Paulie Castellano living in Toad Hill in the White House. Then he goes to Sparks, right? He's going to have a meeting there. It's a setup. And there's John Gotti Sr. with Sammy the Bull and their crew. Whack! And they take over organized crime. And now you know the rest of the story. Can anybody out there explain to me this fixation, this obsession the Italians, Italians have in marrying their cousins or cousins? Supreme cousine, supreme cousinettes. Is that what Cousin Brucey means when he goes, hey, cousins, cousins. Is that like a cold word? It's okay to marry your cousins? Morning, Harry Harris in the Morning Bear, CBS FM. But it's Thursday. Hang in there. Weekend 101 coming up. Let me tell you something. Don't do that to me. Who the hell dropped dead and made Harry Harrison mayor of the morning? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And more importantly, where did this tradition of marrying your first cousin, second cousin, third cousin, fourth cousin come from? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. I remember growing up on the body side of my family from body, from the little town of Andrea on the Adriatic coast. My grandfather, Fidelo Bianchino, my grandmother, Nicoletta Bianchino. I said, hey, you don't go messing with your cousins. No, 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 no. There are plenty of skirts for you to be chasing. You don't need to be chasing the skirts of your cousins. Let's see. 
It was Uncle Ralphie's uh, daughters. They were twins. Loretta, Rebecca. Wait a second. Loretta, Rebecca. They had to be Jewish. Oh, that's right. And Sylvia, she was Jewish. She had the Star of David that I thought was the Ben-Hur sign. But I was told growing up as a Catholic in the 60s that if I was exposed to that Ben-Hur sign, the Star of David, I'd be excommunicated by the flying nun who would come down and kick me in my tuchus, and I would burn in the eternal fires of hell. And we can't find any Frank Morano callers out there. Huh? What is he talking about? Uh, 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 cousin Brucey, cousins, cousines, supreme cousines, cousinettes. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Now let's get back to Nikita Khrushchev, who I thought was incredibly entertaining. When he came here and threatened us with death and destruction and how he would say, our grandkids are going to end up going up communists and we're going to take over the world. We're going to bury you. But he did it in a very affable way. You know, I mean, I'm going to bury you. How do you do it in an affable way? He figured out a way to do it. So he flies back to America. He's been invited by Vice President Nixon, who completed the kitchen cabinet, cabin debates, cabinet debates with him. On behalf of uh, Dwight Eisenhower, he arrives in America, and he's got the traditional stereotype Soviet bride at that time with the babushka on her head. And she's sitting in the presidential vehicle, and they've got sandwiched in Dwight Eisenhower, who's between them, the president, and he had the funkiest-looking facial uh, disposition you can imagine. And she's got the babushka on her head. This was Mrs. Khrushchev. Trust me, nobody was going to be snacking on this woman on her visit to America. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Fred, who happens to be calling from Garfield, New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Freddie. Hello. Yeah, hello, Fred. Curtis. Yeah. I'm from Garfield. I'm 85 years old. Now, way back, there was a Cousins got married. They had four kids. Two were midgets, and the other two were uh, mentally challenged. You're kidding. Yep. So it was I like... To, I don't want to say the name because oh, no, everybody no, knows. No, no, no. But, Curtis, could I talk about something else? No, no, hold on a second. Fred, you're calling from Garfield. Have you ever been to the Boat Jumpers Club there? No. Wait a second. I'm not even from Garfield. I know the Boat Jumpers Club is right there in Garfield, you live there, what, with the Italians, with the Poles, or with the Mexicans? Yeah, what street was the Bull Jumpers Club? Oh, my You know, Garfield is not that big, Fred. Oh. But, Curtis, uh, yeah, I got a theory on the uh, Alex Baldwin uh, shooting. No, no, wait a second. You have a theory on the Alec Baldwin shooting? Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think the cinematographer wanted to commit suicide, but she didn't have the nerve. And she didn't like Alex Baldwin for some reason, because a lot of people didn't like him. And she put the bullet in the gun and made him kill her. So suicide by Alec Baldwin. Yeah, but the only one thing that Alex Baldwin says that don't make sense is, I I, I was an MP in the Army. I fired the forty-five a 100 times. When you fire a forty-five, there's a kick. Alex Baldwin said he thought it was a blank. A blank's got no kick. He said he thought it was a blank and that she got scared from the noise and fainted. 
Fred, he, he ain't, he's talking silly. Fred, I can assure you, the tribe that um, Alec Baldwin is bringing into the world, all those kids, he does not shoot blanks. There is no way that Alec Baldwin shoots blanks. Yeah, see, even Fred got that. He's laughing. He's laughing. He got that. <laughs> Boy, these Frank Brown callers. The guy lives in Garfield. How many people were in Garfield, New Jersey? It's like it's one of the smallest towns in New Jersey. And he doesn't know the Boat Jumpers Club there. World-renowned. An international club of comedians. I mean, I'm thinking, I mean, we're going back a bit. But I think at one time, the uh, man from Patterson, New Jersey, I mean, let's face it, there was nobody bigger at that time than uh, uh, Luke Costello. Remember uh, Abbott and Costello? Luke Costello was from Patterson. They even got a park named after him, downtown Patterson, that they don't even maintain. It's a shande. It's a double disgrace. A big statue of Luke Costello. You know, they, they, they put him in jail for tax fraud, tax evasion. How the hell do you put Luke Costello in jail? Mr. Bocchigalup must have went nuts. You know, the organ grinder with the little monkey. He couldn't do that nowadays. Oh, no, the cancel culture wouldn't let you have an Italian out there with a, an accordion and a monkey. <laughs> Mr. Bachelor, we remember anger management problems. He'd take the cash register and throw it at Lou Costello. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. What the hell did I mention Lou Costello for from Patterson, New Jersey? Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. Oh, yeah, that's right. Lou Costello did perform solo. In the Boat Jumpers Club. How did that guy, Fred, 85 years old, lived every year of his life in Garfield, New Jersey? It's like there's three slivers there. Then they're the Felician nuns, the teaching nuns convent there. Right, right, right. See, I'm remembering. I'm remembering it all now. I know this, but not Fred, who's 85. The Boat Jumpers Club. Yeah, it's an institution. It's an iconic location. It's like the equivalent for us in Manhattan, the Great White Way, Schubert's Alley. How could you not know that, Fred? Well, he probably lives with the Mexicans or the Poles or the Italians. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. You couldn't have a character like Mr. Bacigalup in the old... Lou Abbott, no, Bud Abbott. Bud Abbott. That's right, Bud. It's like Budweiser, right, or Buds. You know, when you go to the uh, Cannabis Bowl there in Amsterdam, hey, we're picking out Buds here. The Frank Morano listener said, what the hell is he talking about, Amsterdam? The Cannabis Bowl? Oh, this is, I got to get out of here. I'm talking to a guy from the city, which it's, it's claimed to fame. Is the Boat Jumpers Club. Huge building, huge edifice. It's got neon lights on it and everything. God, Fred didn't know. 1-800-848-9222. That's, uh, oh, that's right, the Condemi Motor Club. in Lo- That's right, right nearby, Lodi, New Jersey. Yeah, 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 the Condemi. Oh, yeah, it's all coming together. Garfield. Load, oh, oh, load, see, it's all like poor. It's a stream of consciousness that I'm having now. 
1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Bill from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Billy. Yo, Curtis, what's up, man? Listen, I sent you that thing again because it's absolutely true that the uh, Get Back Pakistani McCartney is singing a video Get Back Pakistani, that was the name of the song. And and this is, I sent it to you because I didn't want to post it on your Facebook page. I wanted you to see it in a message. But I also emailed it to you so you could see. It would be so much fun last night, tomorrow if you're doing the Lenin thing, if you could play a snippet of it. It's the original song of Get Back, the original name of Get Back was Get Back Pakistani. And he's on video singing it with the Beatles. Get Back Pakistanis. It's, it's very funny. Now, let me ask you a question, Bill. Let me ask you a question. We're doing a (laughs) retrospective, a commemoration of John Lennon. You know I hate the Beatles, but I give a pass to John Lennon. Why would I play this song of the Beatles and not a song of John Lennon? Because because Lennon is sitting there with a big smile on his face as it's being sung. He's sitting there laughing hysterically, and it shows what a pompous, phony McCartney is. And he'll be in his Fifth Avenue apartment tomorrow night listening to it and laughing because they knew when, when that was happening, Eric Clapton said, we have to do something about this thing. And he on stage, Clapton would talk about it, right? But McCartney actually wrote a song called Get Back, Pakistani. And it is so funny because now he's this big liberal. You would never think that he would write All that. All right, so let me ask you a question now because since you're a cognoscente, who is the better guitarist? Who is the better guitarist, Eric Clapton, Jeff Beck, or Paul McCartney? Oh, Jeff Beck. Jeff Beck. Oh, oh, Jeff Beck. Oh, Jeff. Jeff, and, right. and the funny thing is, if you listen to the oh, end Jeff of, Beck, yeah. of Abbey Road, when they do that, that jam on the guitar, uh, hold you, love, love you. Remember the end? In, in the end, the love you take is equal. Though, that guitar jam that the three of them do, uh, if you listen to that on YouTube, it's an incredible three-part guitar, John, Paul, and George on guitar jamming. And each one of them sounds like Jeff Beck. Because that I couldn't believe it when I listened back to that on YouTube. Anyway, but I would hope that you could listen to this thing. Get back, Pakistani. It is so funny. Yeah, you know, again, after that, so- after that uh, diatribe you just went through, in which you're trying to convince me that they're saying get back, Pakistani. Right? What is that, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed from Pakistan? No, uh, I am going to listen to one of the greatest guitar players of all time, the Isley Brothers from Teaneck, New Jersey, Ernie Isley, right? Ernie Isley, right? You say Jeff Beck, I say Ernie Isley. You say Eric Clapton, I say Ernie Isley. You say the meth head who is hitting the pipe. Come on, you know who I'm talking about. Every one of you white boys out there were playing hacky sack and air guitar. You wanted to be Eddie Van Halen. No, he's not the best. Ernie Isley of the Isley Brothers, the best. 1-800-848-9222. Teaneck, New Jersey. 1-800-848-WABC. Ah, he's no George Harrison, that's for sure. Before I get my live read uh, here, I want my Ernie Isley. I want my Isley Brothers from Teaneck, New Jersey, since... uh, You know you make me wanna I don't like that uh, Isley Brothers song. Kill it. Kill it. Uh, out of all the great Isley Brothers songs, and you have to pick that one. That is such a white boy pick. Let me tell you something. You are, you are a cockazoid. There's no doubt about it. 
But whether you're a brother, a sister, a cockazoid, whatever you are out there, you noticed the Schmanktaputz, Chuck E. Cheese Schumer, helped by Mitch McConnell, decided to give the okay to lifting the debt ceiling and the deficit ceiling after Nancy Pelosi and McCarthy in the House did likewise. This is so much trouble for our children, children's children, children's 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 generation. They're rolling over this debt, and somebody's got to pay the VIG. And in the meantime, it's affecting other things, including your retirement fund, because this debt is unsustainable. This is cause and effect taking place. And one of the causes is inflation is starting to skyrocket. So if your money is sitting in a traditional retirement account, it's getting eaten away right underneath your schnozola. Gold and precious metals offer a hedge against inflation and protects your retirement nest. If you have an existing retirement account, you got to roll it into a gold or silver IRA. And you should do so with legacy precious metals. In 2008, when the stock market went pollui, and the whales who ripped us off didn't go to jail but got free money from the Fed. You out there on Main Street got ugats, got bupkis. And a lot of you who had not invested in gold got financially ruined. This is why gold should be a part of every wise investor's portfolio. Legacy is the company you can trust because they give you unbiased counsel. Based on your individual situation, contact Legacy Precious Metals today. Call 866-932-0635. That's 866-932-0635. Or visit LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com. You're hearing things. You're hearing things. On 77 Okay, now we're back on track with the Isley Brothers. Instead of that uh, Caucasian persuasion, snow bro, Caucasoid music, you were playing uh, for the white audience, you know, because they had to serve the white audience also, so they created that song. It's the only way you can make money back then. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to David, who's calling all the way from the City of Angels, Los Angeles. How are you listening to us, David? On the app, WABCRadio.com. Curtis Sliwa, filling in for What's-His-Face. By the way, I'm not yeah, It's What's-His-Face. Yep, you're Amazing station right. break. <laughs> well, I, I, to be honest with you, I've never listened to that other show I'm listening because you're on. I've listened to you for years. I think you're a great host. You happen to be all over the road today. I don't, you're, you're, you pick a topic already. You're giving me uh, brain damage. But um, I wanted to comment on the guy about the Paul McCartney Get Back with the Pakistani lyrics. That's from the new movie Get Back. I believed that that was a mockery of the racists, the tongue-in-cheek, making fun of people who say, go away, Pakistani. I don't believe Paul McCartney is a racist and that he would say that, but easily misinterpreted, easily, especially in this day and age, easily misinterpreted. 
Well, yeah, and, and especially especially in England where they had what they call packy bashers, that would be more relevant there than it is here. If you said that here, people wouldn't know what the hell you were talking about. Well, you're so informed, and thank you for that. We just put two and two together. It's official. He was making fun of packy bashers, not being one himself. That's right. Now, the question is, if uh, he had decided to become a skinhead, which, as you know, came out of the bowels of the working-class neighborhoods of uh, England, especially London, Manchester, Birmingham, would he have been uh, a skinhead wearing white laces or a uh, skinhead wearing red laces on his Timberland boots? Well, you're really out there today, Curtis. You're you're bashing the Beatles so hard. Wow, are you kidding me? Meanwhile, I would like to say that that Who's That Lady solo by the Isley Brothers, I've always felt that is at least the best-sounding guitar solo. Yes. If not, it's it's great it's great played, but, man, that production, that's a you-know-whatter. That's now, right. Curtis, with the vaccination being required for kids at age five in New York City, are they going to have to show Santa Claus proof of vaccination before they sit on his lap? Is Macy's going to have extra elves on hand to verify the vaccinations? All I know is uh, my youngest son wants me to take him out on Sunday. He wants to go to the diner again for a slice of chocolate cake. I'm not going to be able to proof him in, so I'm just going to tell the guys, the waiters at the diner, let my kid wait on the corner because I'm getting my slice of lemon meringue pie. I love lemon pie, man. It never goes bad. You see, this is what happens when you put your hands across America to Los Angeles, the city of angels. By the way, any smashing grabs going on there today? All over the place. Los Angeles, skyrocketing crime as we've never seen. We got this district attorney, Gascon, as a recall effort. He basically made it legal to shoplift up to $1,000. Now, you know, I want to just mention all of this in the name of George Floyd. One guy died, George Floyd. So let's all smash and grab under his name, except there was a security guard, a black security guard that was shot dead during the smash and grab. So now you got another dead black man, but nobody says black lives matter to that, only if it's George Floyd. I hate to say it, but the black community is becoming a bunch of degenerate, out-of-control uh, anger management is, hey, look, I can't, you know, he's, that's the smashing grab capital of the world now. By the way, uh, let's see if I'm correct on this. Let's do a fact check on Curtis Lewis. He mentioned the district attorney who is now up for recall, he should be, in Los Angeles. I believe originally, I believe originally, although I may have my osmosis in reverse, that he was a copper in San Francisco. No, no. Gascon was like one of the top deputies of Bratton when Bratton was police commissioner in Los Angeles. How come Bratton doesn't condemn Gascon, who is now the district attorney, turn him loose, Gascon? You do a smash and grab, no problem. We give you a disappearance ticket, desk appearance ticket. Don't bother showing up. There's no consequences for your actions. But Bratton has never condemned one of his top deputies. This is the guy, Gascon, who is the district attorney of L.A. County. They're the district attorneys of the county, not just the city. 
and he is now up for a recall election, which we should have. We should have in New York. You know, every time you get these guys who want to turn loose the criminals, they should be subject to recall. Well, you saw the governor of California, pretty boy Newsom, was subject to recall. We should have recall throughout New York. We don't have it. New Jersey has it, but they barely know they have it. They never school you in civics about the importance of recall, what you can do with recall, how you can hold elected officials accountable. I believe they've had two mayors in uh, New Jersey who have gone under recall. It's a successful way of getting them out of office. Once they bamboozled you, lied to you, gotten into office, and then they say, ha ha, can't touch me for four or six years. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Giuseppe calling from Ronkonkoma in Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Joe. Curtis, I know what upsets me. Yesterday, I texted my daughter, the 80th anniversary of Pearl Harbor, and I texted her to see if they did anything in her school, anything, even a moment of silence, Curtis. They did nothing. This woke culture and what they're teaching our kids in school is disgusting. I mean, nothing, nothing. They didn't uh, bring it up in class, in history class or anything. And it's just that caller that just called before, I... He was totally right about all the stuff you've been saying. It's just, it's a sad state of affairs, the way America is turning out. And all I have to say is, let's go, Brandon, Curtis. Let's go, Brandon. That was a clean way of saying, F you, Joe Biden, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. Just want to make sure, get past the FCC. Hey, look, when I'm playing around, I use enough Italian words of uh, <clears throat> ill repute. It could cause us uh, many, many problems, but they don't. But I just wanted to make sure, according to the censors, that that's okay. Okay, they they just gave me the not. Not F you. No, 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 that's no good. But let's go, Brent. That's okay. Yeah, that's okay. okay. That's okay. Just want to make sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 the origin story of that is hilarious because the – it was basically, I think it was like a NASCAR event, but the entire crowd started chanting, F Joe Biden. And then the announcer basically created that phrase as a cover-up. Like, you can hear the crowd in the back going, let's go, Brandon. <laughs> and it took on a life of and its it, own. And then it just sparked like wildfire, I guess. Um, engineer, did we really need to know that? I mean, truthfully. Did you really need to enlighten us and educate us with that? You know, my whole life has changed. Uh, I'll never be the same after now I know the origin of Let's Go Brandon. Uh, you know, it, it's it's going to be water cooler talk today. Somebody's going to hear it. They're getting up. Uh, they're going to shower and shave. They're going to get to the water cooler. You know what the origin of Let's Go Brandon? I heard it with Curtis Lee when he's engineer. Not. Let me let you know what Nikita Khrushchev did. Some of you remember Nikita Khrushchev. What a corker he was. So he, he flies out to L.A. with his wife. She's wearing the babushka. And the L.A. mayor there greets them and starts casting pejoratives against Nikita Khrushchev and communists and the old Soviet Union. And so Nikita Khrushchev goes crazy and starts saying, we turn out missiles like sausages. How about I send a few missiles over here to Los Angeles upon my departure? 
And so they got all frightened and scared. And he said, it's just a joke. It's just a joke. This guy was, this guy was good. Then he goes to San Francisco. He goes on a tour of IBM back then. And they introduce him to a cafeteria. And he's like, wow, you have selection here. And then he said, oh, you want selection? Come to a supermarket. So here's Nikita Khrushchev with his wife with the babushka realizing it's like, wow, there's like eight different mustards, ten different catsups. It blew their mind. And he went to a farm in Iowa where there are more pigs than people. And while they were observing how the corn grows high in the sky, the farmer whose farm it was attacked the media because he goes, I don't want this kind of attention. And Nikita Khrushchev said, hey, hold up, buddy. I wouldn't be here if not for the media, proving he was a media maven and lens lice. And then finally, he went to Steel City, Pittsburgh, and naturally he went to a steel mill. But all of them were on strike at the time. So they figured out one small steel mill that had uh, scabs, non-union workers. And they had fashioned him a piece of steel into a hammer and sickle. And he thought that was the best present that you could ever get. And then he flew back to the uh, Soviet Union. And then what was it? Uh, shot down Gary Powell, remember, in the uh, spy plane, U-2. Not the group. Not, not Bono. No, no. You know, the spy plane. Uh, Eisenhower denied it. They already had the evidence. And Khrushchev got over everybody like a fat rat. And then in 62, the Cuban Missile Crisis. Oh, by the way, the the Reagan one. The Reagan one with uh, Gorbachev. You got to play that. Because this other guy was like a a stick of dynamite, Gorbachev. Though my pronunciation may give you difficulty, the maxim is dovii no provii. Trust but verify. You repeat that at every meeting. See how good Gorbachev was? You see, Khrushchev and Gorbachev, they made it worth listening to a Soviet slash Russian leader. But the rest of them, eh. But I think uh, Reagan had, what, like five summits with Gorbachev with the wine stain on his head. And his wife, Riza, right, with Nancy. Nancy was jealous of Riza. And then eventually what happened at the very time that the riots in Crown Heights took place in August of 1991, nobody paid attention because the Generalissimos had sat in the Crimea, the Dacha of Gorbachev and Raisa, they had taken them into prison, and it was the drunk who came to relieve them. Remember Boris <gasps> Yeltsin, when last seen running up Pennsylvania Avenue with no clothes on, was looking for a place to get a pizza when he was visiting Bill Clinton, who was president of the United States. And now you know. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Yeah, this is a song that Frank Morano purloined from my cachet. 
when I used to do overnights here at WABC, it wasn't the other side of uh, midnight, but it was Theater on the Mind, and uh, he purloined this song, never uh, appropriately giving me the credit I was due or paying any of the residuals. Uh, he objected to that, said, hey, you didn't write the song. You didn't perform the song. You just used the song. Well, I feel I'm entitled to some residuals. Now, what we got to do now, I don't know if this is a scam, it's technology, whatever, but it's, uh, what do they call this, a benchmark? Uh, you know, Matt Meany, who is the new program director, who is sort of the boss hog here at WABC, who has absolutely not a centithia feeling of any emotion and also any sense of humor, says you have to do this, as crazy as it sounds. Now, this is the contest. Frank Morano has put up $1,000 that he doesn't have. And the reason he's made this so difficult is he doesn't want to pay out. He's a welcher. So I got to give you 10 questions, and if you answer them in 60 seconds, you get $1,000. Now, you know if you actually get lucky, if a miracle happens, if you go to Fatima and pray there in Portugal where the miracle occurred, and you're lucky enough to get 10 answers in 60 seconds, Frank Morano will have to go probably right there on Highland Boulevard and score from the Bonanno crime family quite alone. The vague, the points, uh, about 36 uh, percentage. But that's the only way he's going to get the $1,000 to pay off. And I want to see you guys win and gals win. I really want him to be in fiscal pain. So I'm going to give you the numbers out. I want to see how many of you step up, how many of you flex, how many of you all of a sudden you've been studying all night, reading comic books, that you're going to be prepared to ace this. Because these questions, I mean, my God, let me be quite honest with you. A guy in jail, right, who's been locked up for 80 straight years and is still alive and can't read and can't write, even he could answer these questions. That's how lame they are. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. It's your chance to be a millionaire. No, not a millionaire. A thousandaire. 1-800-848-9222. If you dare to care. 1-800-848-WABC. This is the one contest that nobody is like quick to respond to because they know it's a ripoff. They know. It's too good to be true. You can't do it. Look, the guy who came closest. Remember Mike the other night, the Weisenheimer? said, I never listen to WABC. I listen to WINS. 20 minutes to rock your world. I said, well, what will get you to listen to WABC? And remember what he said? He said, yeah, if John Katsimatidis goes away. I said, we'll have no station. He said, I can't listen. 20 minutes to rock your world. Mike got 9 out of 10. We'll give him a chance. 1-800-848-9222 so we can perpetuate this scam. I mean this uh, contest. 1-800-848-WABC. Let's quickly go to Ron who's calling all the way from Michigan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Ronnie. Good morning, Curtis. Hey, Curtis, when you mentioned that missile crisis, I remember we were driving to Michigan, our family, and we were driving through Gary, Indiana, you know, with all the refineries flaring. 
And I said to my, my dad, I said, Dad, hurry up and get out of here. Let's get to Michigan. This is going to be a target. So, but I, that's how I remember that uh, missile crisis when I was a kid. But what, what year was that again, please? Ron, Ron, remember. Now, you left something out about that. You're driving through Gary, Indiana. Right. On up to Michigan. Right. Right through the Great Lakes area. Yeah. And you didn't mention that you knew you were actually approaching Gary, not because uh, of the the, uh, the blast furnaces uh, or the steel mills or the refineries, but you the smelled the, the stink. Yes, yes. It was like it was like rotten eggs. A thousand times, a thousand times. My uncle, my uncle Smitty, was an engineer at U.S. Steel there. Mm-hmm. When uh, he had a house in Lockport, they had the Sliwa compound outside of Chicago between that and Joliet, one of the largest walled prisons uh, in the world. Uh, he said, hey, you want to come to the steel mill and see me? Because he goes in a bucket way up high, you know, where they have the wheelies, where they pour mm-hmm. the molten steel. Man, I was up for it. Oh, my God. The stink alone will twist the hairs in your nostrils. And then you're in the steel mill, the U.S. steel mill, and it's like you're in freaking hell. It is so hot from the molten steel that it's being poured from way up, way up in the factory, and then right into this bucket. Oh, my God. And these guys had to do it every day. And a a lot of untold stories, uh, Ron, of all the men who ended up dying or getting maimed. Because we are talking OSHA standards here. Yeah, and they made some beautiful cars and uh, washing machines with those uh, those sacrifices, though. Yeah, and then also remember Youngstown, Ohio, which was little Chicago, same thing there, rolling through Youngstown. Uh, also rolling through Pittsburgh back then. It was like a orange haze over all those steel mills. Through Sharon, Pennsylvania, that valley there. Oh, there were so many steel mills, and you knew you were coming near a steel mill because right away you smelled the rotten eggs. But, Curtis, i got to take you off the hook. You know, it's not you, – you didn't start the uh, Let's Go Joe, uh, whatever the slogan. That that took uh, – that right after that uh, NASCAR rally described, described as disguised as a Ku Klux Klan rally, in my opinion – the Fox News in the morning, they picked it up right away, and they ran with it. So you you are weeks behind on uh, Let's Go Brandon. Okay? No, no, you're right. I am weeks behind, but if we would ask Frank Morano, he would have absolutely Jack Diddley squat, no idea what we were talking about. And Frank, can I, um, excuse me, Curtis, can I give you a report on what happened this weekend in downtown Chicago with the gangs coming in? They tried to take over again. Oh, yeah, State Street. I had Guardian Angels down there. Yeah, there were like 22 of them, got jammed up. Uh, The Chicago cops, in order to get them out from downtown, were pushing them on the Elk, pushing them into the subways to get them out of there. That city is out of control. Yes, it is. It is. You see, you see, you see, Ron. You see how I know what's going on in Chi Town. That's like my second city. I spent five years on Forty Sixth and Rockwell when I was birthed at Brooklyn Hospital. Uh, my mother Francesca took me out to Chicago. That's where my the city of my father's family, the Polish side, Forty Sixth and Rockwell, which is right near the stockyards, four blocks from the Rendering Park, uh, Rendering Plant, six blocks from Kaminsky Park, and the amphitheater. I don't remember that. 
Oh, yeah, that was that, that's where they used to have all the uh, cattle shows, uh, rock and roll shows, uh, car shows. It was uh, right in the middle, right right there, in, you know, where the neighborhood Bridgeport there. At, yeah, Bridgeport, uh, yeah. where the dailies are from. That's where all the Irish were from. And also there was a lot of Italians there. There was a lot of Italians there. There was oh. a part of the family was there. Oh, yeah. 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 Ron, you see, we're reminiscing, but you left one key point out in your very descriptive analysis of riding right along the lakes, the Great Lakes, passing Geary. It's Geary. And then going all the way up to which part of Michigan were you living in at the time? Uh, we went to visit my uh, aunt's farm in Menden. Oh, Menden. It was further up. Man, all the deer there. There's like more deer than there are people. Curtis, I had a deer attack my car two weeks ago. Now, I, what do you mean he attacked he, your car? He stalked me for a week, Curtis. I'm not kidding you. I, I go to the Y in the morning, okay? And I drive slow. I, I, it's, 50, it's 55 miles. I try and go slow if nobody's around me, okay? But for four days, five days, this deer stalked me in the same area. And then Friday, finally, he attacked my car. And I, but I was ready for him. I was moving slow. If I had been going faster, he would have he would have smashed my hood all the way down and come through the window. All he did this time was, it's like somebody sat on the hood of my little Ford, okay? And everything's okay. I can open the hood. Everything works. Nothing's wrong. So, uh, but the deer got a little bit action. He limped off. But uh, there's too many of these darn deer. Nobody's out there shooting them anymore. That's the problem. Let me ask you a question, uh, Ron. My father's from Chicago, Midwest, like yourself. Why do you guys trust Ford, which we believe is fixed or repaired daily? You go out to the Midwest, they swear by Ford. Oh, got to have the Ford pickup truck. What is it about Ford in the Midwest, Ron? Uh, there's, so, there's so many guys who can service it. I got a little four-door stick shift, all right? I got a Ford what, a Focus. Yeah, Ford Focus stick shift. You know, I don't – you know, Curtis – my little four, stick shift, I, I, I'd rather have that over a four-wheel drive. Of course, we don't get much snow over here anymore like we used to. Well, it's you know why? Like, Global warming, climate change, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. We don't even have bugs anymore. What, 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 no, no, no. Wait, wait a second. No, no no, more bugs, Curtis. Do you remember when you were a kid, you could drive out to the country, you get your windshield, your bumper full of bug bug juice. You're well, lucky if you find one or two bugs on the windshield these days. I'm not kidding you. What about the the little bugs that we would collect and put them in a Hellman's jar, the lightning bugs? I still got a few lightning bugs because I don't put any any uh, fertilizer, any poison on my grass. It's not it's not even grass. It's weeds, you know, like, like from a vacant lot. That's what I want. But uh, because of that, I get I get uh, I get the uh, lightning bugs, butterflies. I try to get them, but they've disappeared. Bees disappeared. Even the hornets are disappearing. Uh, ants. I used to get a few ants in the summertime in the house. Not even ants anymore. Not even the house. army of ants that come in, right? No. And you know, my my Gavon cousin Lenny Beans Bianchino. He would collect the lightning bugs. You know, he would chase after them, get them in his hand, put them in the Hellman's jar, and then he put the uh, cover on. You know, he'd uh, he'd uh, uh, turn the uh, jar cover on it, and then he wondered why they would die. And I told the the, the schmuck, you got to put holes in the top. There's no air. The lightning bugs die. He couldn't understand that. 
you know what I used we used to like to do? We used to like to take the bugs and smear them on our on our faces. You know, I, I know we were you know cruel, if, 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 and that's probably what killed them all off. But we used to like to smear them on our faces and hands and run around uh, in the dark. That's what you call hillbilly heaven. Oh, man, I've been up there in Michigan. You go to parts of Michigan, north in Michigan, you'd swear you were in deliverance. I kid you not. Hee-haw! Gary. I'll bet you, Gary, the smell of Gary, the smell of those rotten eggs from the U.S. steel plants and the refineries probably caused more brain damage than any one singular thing for people who are driving through. And then remember, you have Geary, you have South Chicago, where you had the uh, Pullman plants, you had the automobile factory there, I forget which one, could have been a Rambler, AMC. And then, you know, you go up to Kenosha, oh, you know, Rittenhouse, Rittenhouse, Rittenhouse. No, it used to be the second largest automobile production area in the United States, second only to Detroit, AMC. Yeah, George Romney was up there, you know, father of Mitt Romney, head of AMC, Ramblers. Hey, look, you go north, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Minnesota. Michigan, I've been up in those areas. You couldn't tell the difference between being up there and being in the Ozark Mountains, not far from Hope, Arkansas, where, remember, Bill Clinton swore they were burning down black churches. Must be something with Democrats. They tell these stories. Biden tells stories. Remember Hillary? Oh, it's dodging bullets in Bosnia, Herzegovina. It's the Ozark Mountains, I'm telling you. It really is. 1-800-848-9222. Oh, we have a contestant here. Oh. The Other Side of Midnight presents... It's the $1,000 Minute. Answer 10 questions correctly in one minute, and you could win $1,000. Here's your host, Curtis Lewa. <laughs> uh, Barry and Syosset, are you ready to go? You ready to dial for dollars? I'm ready, because actually I live in the People's Republic of Syosset, but I'm, I'm in my bunker right now. But I came out of my bunker. I want to win, man. I want to win. Uh, you've been reading your comic books all night to prepare for this? Curtis, you're the best. I voted for you four times, man, and I don't even live in the city. Well, that's good. That proves you're a Democrat. I only wish <laughs> all the other Democrats have done that. Okay, get ready. Uh, lights, action, camera, fire up your engines. I'm giving you the checkerboard flag of the Indianapolis 500. You have 60 seconds to answer 10 questions. These are real brain busters. First question. To what great American president was Mrs. George Washington married to? George Washington. Oh, your Mensa. Where in Massachusetts did the Boston Tea Party take place? Uh, Boston. Who wrote the classic novel 1984? George Orwell. In Einstein's famous equation, E equals MC squared, what does the M stand for? Mass. No, no, that's right. Take that back. You're right. You're right. I, I got too trigger happy. Wait, wait, wait. You cheetah? <laughs> He's doing great here. 
All right, Barry, we're going to give you a few extra seconds. He purposely did that because you were on your way to ripping off Frank Morano for $1,000 that he doesn't have. David Byrne, David Byrne fronted which legendary new wave band? Oh, gee, it's, uh, uh, oh, you're right. You're right. He got that right. Okay. In the sound of music, who is the eldest Von Trapp child? Uh, uh, Go ahead. Uh, go- Google it. Go ahead. Google it. Go ahead. Cheat. Uh, I want Frank uh, to lose this thousand. Oh. So, dis- uh, I, so disappointing. Uh, you on a roll, Barry. You on a roll. But you see, it's like in a fight, you know, where all of a sudden they called a timeout. You had a, you had Frank Morano on the ropes, and then the board engineer immediately, like, hit the, uh, like you were wrong when you were actually right, which caused you to lose your rhythm, right? I know. He, he screwed me up. You know what I did? Uh, last, I was, I was talking to, what's his name, uh, uh, Frankie Russo. And I mentioned that your board, uh, to you that I wanted to. Uh, I would he's, he's, see, he's, he's mumbling to himself. You see what you did to him, board up. My apologies. My apologies. That's what that's what happens when you get too trigger happy on the buzzer. He was on his way to victory. He was on a roll. But you, <laughs> I screwed him up. No, because you were protecting Frank Morano, who does not have a thousand dollars. That's why I call this contest a scam. You're always doing something to prevent somebody to get to the finish line so they can drink the bottle of whole milk you get if you win the Indianapolis 500 with your Formula One racing car. That is so despicable. That is so diabolical. That is so down low. Ruined my up. You know, he ruined my up. And I, I mentioned that I would be happy a couple of, was it with the Frankie Russo, I mentioned that your board wasn't aligned. And I would be happy to go in this. Guy's in a bunker. I have no idea what the hell he's talking about, to be honest with you. But you, board operator, you are disgraziata. You are a shanda running interference for Frank Morano. Look, if he wants to claim that winners could get $1,000, let him go out and get a... uh, What do they call that loan, you know, that you get a VIG for like 840000 840000 a day loan. What if, yeah, payday loan. Let him go out and get a payday loan. John Katsimatidis pays him a lot of money, right, to do the other side of midnight. Let him go out and get a payday loan. Talk about a VIG. It's 840%. When we come back. This is what will excite you but deflate you simultaneously. In the words of Joe Nolan, you're going to be paying more money on the New Jersey Turnpike as they rip you off at the toll plaza and the Garden State Parkway. But they've decided in Atlantic City and Pleasantville, you know, just like that movie that was black and white, Pleasantville, that was a weird movie. What was that, like 20 years ago? That there is now in place when you speed on your way to Atlantic City, when you're going 100 miles an hour on the Atlantic City Expressway, because you got to get there to shoot craps and to lose every nickel, dime, and penny you have, they are going to give you what they're now calling the Justice Warriors, procedural justice. 
And I will explain that. 1-800-848-922. As an army of 92 people are preparing the news hour for you from 5 to 6. I didn't know we could even squeeze 92 people into the facilities here at WABC. But they're all preparing the news. I mean, it's more than WINS combined with WCBS and WNYC and anyone else who's a news pretender. Because we're the real deal. We're legit. Number one, second to none. Right here on 770 AM WABC. In just a few hours, we're going to be doing our retrospective, our commemoration for the execution assassination of John Lennon. That occurred in 1980 outside of the Dakota on 72nd Central Park West, where if you go into the park, there's strawberry fields there. We will be doing a live broadcast uh, overnight from there because it's winter solstice. Men and women will be uh, doffing their uh, clothes and running around buck naked in winter solstice and in celebration of the life and times of John Lennon and... Yoko Ono. How come we left Sean out? Sean Lennon. Well, anyway. You know they're going to be drinking all kinds of teas, right? All kinds of tea. And those teas are going to be spiked. Let me tell you something. Psychedelic shack, that's where it's at. And that's I'm not I'm not suggesting you drink that kind of tea. Psychedelic shack, that's where it's at. Who's saying that? Who's saying that? You know who would know that? Bernard McGurk. He'd say, Temptations, temptations. Because he's a Motown guy. Grew up in the projects, Monroe Housing Projects, across from Sotomayor Projects in the heart of the South Bronx in Soundview. I digress, though. We're not talking about psychedelic shack tea. You don't want to go on that kind of a trip. But for a lot of you, your days are dropping acid and tuning in, tuning out, and getting arrested are over. But you do have needs within your digestive tract, they can't be dealt with with psychedelic drugs. No, 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 no. And your body needs a gently daily cleanse. And I'm talking, forget the coffee enemas out there. Forget that. I know. Look, how many times they've been in somebody's house where they say, can I use a little boy's room? Sure, sure. I go in there, and what do I see hanging in the shower stall? The big enema bag. It's like, really? How many How many of these enemas you take in there? Oh, I got to cleanse myself out. My God, you probably imploded from all those enemas. Don't do it. Instead, get yourself Life Change Tea at GetTheTea.com. It'll give you a gentle daily cleanse that tastes great and works to get things moving nice and slow. Now, if you're stressed out, who isn't? You live in the tri-state area. That's all you get is stressed out. It's going to wreak havoc on your digestive tract. And then all of a sudden you get bloated and you get all stopped up. And that ain't good. Nothing good going to come from that. That's when you need Life Change Tea. It's all natural and non-GMO. One package will last a month. Life Change Tea is only available by logging on to the website getthetea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. Use the promo code Frank, and you get free shipping. It's not C-O-D. Remember the promo code Frank. Look, if you're interested in all the other products designed for your optimum health, you got to check out Life Change Tea at GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. Take that, Putin. with American Band. 
And now, I can't drive 55. Look, if we're going to go to war against Russia to protect the king of all comedy, the quid pro quo guy in Kiev, we got to blast out American music, right? You know, macho, maniacal music. Not that soft, weak, fold-like-a-cheat-camera music that Frank Morano has. Oh, who is it? Is it Wagner out of the Mets bullpen? Is it Mariano out of the Yankee bullpen? Please, it's played out. Enough of that, enough of that. And the reason we're playing Sammy Hagar, I Can't Drive 55. And by the way, for the rest of you, I know you're waiting for your 15 seconds of infamy. If it was up to me, I'd give you 60 seconds. But I realize that you're on a curve here. 15 seconds, really difficult for you. A lot of you, you know, you had your Bluebird special. You spent all day sleeping. You get up at like 4 o'clock in the morning. You're salivating. Wow, I'll be able to actually speak for 15 seconds. Nah, I'll try to help you. But you'll have 15 seconds to say whatever it is that's in your vapid brain. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But as many of you will hear from Joe Nolan, who gives us the traffic, uh, you're going to have to be paying uh, a lot of schedule there. They raise the tolls on the New Jersey Turnpike and the Garden State Parkway. So now that's going to make Frank Morano very jaundiced because this is how he gets there. He's a gambling degenerate, as you know. The call of the crap tables, it's like it wraps it around his gonad and pulls him to A.C. Across the Outer Ridge Crossing. He goes into the Turnpike, Garden State Parkway. He gets ripped off there. Then the Atlantic City Expressway. He's driving 100 miles an hour in order to get to the roulette wheel. And all of a sudden, Johnny Law pulls him over, right, Johnny Law? Right, 100 miles. What is it? I asked this before. You would think all the degenerate gamblers out there going to AC would know. The speed limit on the Atlantic City Expressway, I believe, is 65. 65. I'm going out there for the World Martial Arts Expo at the end of uh, January at the TROP. And last time I was there, this is before the lockdown and pandemic, the last World Martial Arts Expo I attended, pretty sure it was 65. Let's, let's see if anybody out there, any Weisenheimers know. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So Frank Morano is gunning his Yugo. You know, he's flooring his Yugo. He's got no floorboards, so he's got to put his feet down if he intends on stopping. And then all of a sudden, 5-0 pulls him over on the Atlantic City Expressway, says, you realize you're going 100 miles an hour. And right now, Frank Morano is going, there he goes, points, uh, my, my license, suspended. No, no, new, new rules and regulations in Atlantic City and in, uh, what do they call that, Pleasantville? You know, like the movie. I thought Pleasantville was in Westchester County. Well, where the hell is Pleasantville in Jersey? I mean, as I leave it to Beaverland, Father Knows Best, Little House on the Prairie. Anyway, Atlantic City and Pleasantville have decided that in order to build a relationship with the community, the community of color, men and women who are black and Hispanic, that when you get clipped... When you fear that your license is going to be suspended, when you're thinking your all-state policy will be canceled because you were going 100 miles an hour in order to get to that roulette table and shoot some craps. No, you won't. No. There is a new 
procedure that is taking place. It's called procedural justice. Let me tell you what you're going to do. If they catch you speeding, either the Atlantic City cops or the Pleasantville cops, they will explain to you, uh, sir, Frank Morano, uh, I see. Uh, no, you don't need to give me your license and registration. We don't need to see any freaking paper. So they're not going to ask you for your license and registration. They're not going to check your stickers to see if they're expired or not on your windshield. They're going to ask you, you realize, Frank Morano, you were speeding. And you're going to have a conversation, and they're going to say, look, as a copper, you got to try to understand why this suspect, why he was speeding to play roulette and blackjack in AC. you got to understand his side of the story. So they're going to communicate with you. As a police officer, you have to be sensitive. You have to give them a pamphlet. You don't give them a ticket. You're giving them a pamphlet. And you know what it says in the pamphlet? My name is Officer Jones. My hobby is knitting. And I never wanted to arrest anyone. You know how they have the term zero tolerance. I want to have on my my resume the fact that I never, ever wrote a ticket or arrested anyone because I want people of color in black and Hispanic communities to love me. This will lead to more trust with the police. Do you know the taxpayers, the suckers in Atlantic City and Pleasantville, paid for this study from where else? Yale University. It figures it would be an Ivy League that comes up with this kind of nonsense. Procedural justice, they call it. You're not going to be getting any more speeding tickets when you're blowing through the lights of Atlantic City or Pleasantville, which I swear is in Westchester, and I'm pretty sure it was that movie. Trying to think who was in that movie a long time ago. Toby Maguire, remember? Wasn't he in there? But Toby Maguire, wasn't he Spider Man from Forest Hills? <laughs> it's Toby Maguire and Reese Witherspoon. That's right. But Toby Maguire was also Spider Man, yeah, right? Correct. Yeah. From Forest Hills. And when I was living in Forest Hills, I said, there's only room for one macho maniacal guy here. You're going to have to take his spider web and get the hell out of here. I kicked him out of Forest Hills. He's now in Regal Park. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Eddie, who's calling from New Haven in Connecticut. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Eddie. Hey, Curtis, uh, this senior, L. Mor- Morano, like Moran, you-, you were allowed to say that the baby was 13 pounds. I made a joke saying it was either going to be retarded or autistic. And then people start crying and yeah, well, Eddie, Eddie, that, you see, that's, that's, that's on the down low, man, Eddie. See, Eddie's a hater. Eddie, Eddie's really a hater. See, you, you can see that. He's been listening to Frank Morano, what, for years. And he probably has this hate, like, just welling up in his soul. And his soul is so hateful. That he would say these things. And then he, he wants to, it's almost like he wants to brag that this is what he said. Ooh, look at what I said. Is that so wrong? You schmuck, you putz. You pisher. You person of no consequence, Eddie. And of course, he's a Yaley. He lives in New Haven. It's the same university that created this concept of procedural justice. This is nuts.
They ask Yale University this study. This is the questions that they ask. If you want good relationships in the black and Hispanic community and communities of color, why is it communities of color? It was always black and Hispanic communities. You must limit the interactions that police have with community members. Question number one, do the cops really need to be involved in traffic stops? So Yale University doesn't want cops involved in traffic stops. Number two, do we need them doing traffic enforcement, handing out tickets? Why don't we just let the brownies do that with no firearms? They're all from Bangladesh, aren't they? Or at least they are in New York City. And without the police protecting them, they're going to have their ass handed to them. You ever see how people treat the brownies, a.k.a. the traffic agents? They give them no respect. They're the Rodney Dangerfield of public safety. And if they weren't wearing those semi-police uniforms where you knew there was backup from the NYPD, forget it. You'd turn them into speed bumps. You would say, oh, I'm blocking the box. Hey, why don't you step in front of me? I'll turn you into a speed bump in the box. Go ahead. Write me a ticket. And so Yale University is suggesting that the way you get rid of the cops from doing traffic enforcement, you knew this was coming down the pipe, just put up red light cameras and speed cameras and take off the racial lens. The racial lens? (laughs) What the hell is this? A speed camera? And a red light camera has a racial lens? These people are crazy. I don't want any red light cameras. I don't want any speed cameras. They took them out of Jersey. They took them out of Long Island in 2014 because it was only to raise revenue. It didn't make anybody safer on the highways and byways. And now they're talking about putting up red light cameras and speed cameras and taking off the racial lens. God. Well, I I'm thinking that movie again, Pleasantville, right? It was black and white, right? Is that because Ted Turner, you know, when he colorized uh, all the old black and white movies, you know, when he bought the MGM library or some library like that? Is that what it was? Was this like a protest against Ted Turner, the the movie Pleasantville with Tobey Maguire and Reese uh, Witherspoon? Oh, that's right. Everyone's having kittens now because they know it's their 15 seconds of infamy. They've been practicing all night, reading on their index cards, the simple words that they're going to say, and they can't get beyond seven and eight seconds. You know, they're timing it out with their stopwatch. Say, I can't really get any more than seven or eight words uh, worth of, of eight minutes, nine minutes. I'm, I'm struggling to get 15 seconds because you're a Frank Morano listener and a Frank Morano caller. I created this. Rapid fire. You're always, always claiming it was Alan B. Combs, it was other talk show hosts or hostesses. No, they ripped me off. They were like the Red Chinese. They ripped me off. Copyright infringement, trademark infringement, intellectual property. Well, that would require that I have an intellect. How could you rip me off from my intellectual property when I don't even have an intellect? Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. It's your 15 seconds of infamy. Rev up your engines. The checkerboard flag of Indianapolis 500 is being waved. This is your opportunity to make it to the Frank Morano Hall of Shame. 
1-800-848-9222. First off, you don't want to miss it. Father and Son, first ever podcast right here at WABC featuring my oldest son, Anthony, uh, who is actually interning here, whose stepfather is Governor David Patterson, right? Now, is that any more incestuous than uh, a family can be? And uh, I've done a podcast with my my son, Anthony, uh, although he doesn't like the original name chosen by the Suits, Mockers, and Muckety Mucks, Curtis and Anthony. You know, a father and son podcast featuring Curtis and Anthony. He insisted it be Anthony and Curtis, A.C., as opposed to C.A., because he says, we don't want to be California. And I agreed with him. Who the hell would want to be like California? People were running away from California. So AC, and then obviously, well, are we AC, DC, I don't know. We're going into venture here. Oh, AC, DC, yeah, one of, one of my all-time favorite bands, except they're Aussies. They're Aussies. They're from the land down under. We'll have to hold off on them right now for your 15 seconds of infamy. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And other side of midnight. This is 15 Seconds of Fame. You know, this is really premature here. I realize you're getting your jollies off, uh, engineer, but uh, relax, relax. What, are you getting greased by these callers? Uh, they're so happy to get on the air. It's like, yeah, let's grease the engineer. It'll, like, jump, jump the queue. We got to talk about Philly, what they're doing in Philly. I'm sure Joe Nolan in traffic is going to be really excited about this. Because there are no more traffic stops in Philly. They banned them. Because too many people of color are getting stopped. And when you're driving while black, hell no. No more tickets. So if your bumper is hanging off and it's dragging on the asphalt and it's sparking up and threatening to actually explode your gas tank, no, you can't stop that car. If you got paper plates on, no, even the Dixie paper plates can't, you know, to cover your license plate. If you got license plates not clearly displayed, fashioned, or visible, can't stop them. And if you have a personalized license plate that says F.U. Police, no, that's okay. Freedom of speech in Pennsylvania. In fact, in Philadelphia, where you think they'd be worried about 500 murders a year now, their police commissioner's name, Outlaw, huh? <laughs> right? That would you have a police commissioner named Alma? 500 murders a year, and they think their problem is traffic stops. I wonder who most of the people being killed in Philadelphia are. Well, I know I have guardian angels there. They're black and Hispanic, right? And who's killing them? Black and Hispanics. But we can't do traffic stops, even for a broken brake light, because we will never be able to heal police community relations. Maybe if there weren't as many murders, there'd be better police, community relations. Ah, oh, this is crazy. And, you know, the keystone symbol, you know, on the Pennsylvania plates in Philadelphia has been replaced by a big joint. A big freaking joint. And there's nothing you can do. And when the cops say, why did you say F you to me? And, and somebody gives them the finger. They said, because I need stress relief in my life. I got to get out of here. Anyway, 15 seconds of fame awaits you and infamy. Let's go to Giuseppe Joe up in Orange County. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Giuseppe. Hey, 
hey, Curtis, listen, we got rid of Chris Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo. Let's get that bridge back to the Tappanzee Bridge. Forget about Mario Cuomo. Get him off there. And if Frank had that baby 13 pounds, he must be home breastfeeding. That's where he is. I wouldn't doubt it. No infamil for you, kid. You're gonna be uh, you're gonna be getting that nice uh, nutatsa de cafe. I can imagine Carmine's already having nutatsa de cafe with a little biscuit. Anyway, it's 15 seconds of infamy that awaits you, Mike, in Staten Island. Your turn to be heard. You're psychic. How'd you know I'm reading off index cards to get my free ginger ale? Dino and Son, Woodside, fine dining. <laughs> Yeah, but what kind of ginger ale is it? Is it Canada Dry? Uh, you know, ginger ale, good for the tummy. When all of a sudden it's aching, your tummy ache, right? No Pepto-Bismol, no Brioski. Just have ginger ale. Didn't they always tell you that? Ginger ale or the old Coca-Cola syrup. You get high as a kite on that. But, man, it could deal with your strep throat right from the luncheonette or the candy store. Now they won't let you do that. Why? Because it's got coquina in it. Anyway, let's go to John in Brooklyn. Your 15 seconds of infamy awaits you, John. Uh, Frank Morano was an idiot, and that's why he was Curtis Lewis campaign manager. Uh, he was not my campaign manager. Frank Morano could not chew gum and think at the same time uh, when it comes to being a campaign manager outside of Staten Island. Okay, in Staten Island, maybe he's my campaign manager in Staten Island. But Brooklyn, Queens, the Bronx, Manhattan, he'd get lost. To Massachusetts we go, and Roger, who wants his 15 seconds of infamy. Your turn to be heard, Rog. Hey, the NASCAR driver by the name of Brandon. He's got a national cheerleading operation going there. I hope he does well next season. Wow, you gave yourself a brisk. That was only eight seconds. But typical of the Frank Morano listeners, they practice all night. You know, they're timing themselves with the stopwatch. And they can't seem to get beyond, I told you, eight, maybe nine seconds max. You get 15 seconds of infamy, Giuseppe Joey, in New Jersey. Yeah, you know, James Cagney hated politicians. You, you dirty rats. Oh, God, so lame. What was that, six seconds? These, these it didn't real... even feel like it. It didn't feel like much shorter than that. These are like total morons. Uh, maybe go listen to WOR. Go listen to another radio station. Pull their ratings down. Oh, my God. Let's see if Raj can do any better with your 15 seconds of infamy, Raj. AOC gets away with the most outrageous anti-American insinuations because she's assured of New York's 30% Hispanic votes as well as the city's bottom 25% voters whose votes are decided by their... We gave Raj a few other seconds for all those who gave up their time to Raj. Like the way he rolls the arse. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Your 15 seconds of infamy awaits you here. That's 800-848-WABC. Let's go to Ralphie in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard on WABC, Ralphie. A tale told by a fool, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Hamlet, Shakespeare. What the hell was he talking about? So typical. Need I say anything more? 
the listeners, the callers, speak for the format and for the host, Frank Morano. Anyway, to the phones we go, 1-800-848-9222. Bob, your 15 seconds of infamy awaits you from Long Island. I'm from Maspit. Good morning, Curtis. I, I met you at that protest over there in Maspit uh, at the homeless shelter. I was carrying that sign that said, bring back Frankie Russo, bring back. He tried. He tried. He was slick. He didn't even know where it was. The Holiday Inn Express, the no-tell motel, Holiday Inn, right? Hey, we were successful in stopping that homeless shelter. I think that was the only protest that prevented a homeless shelter from being shoved in its neighborhood. The 80 that Bill de Blasio is shoving into your neighborhoods throughout the five boroughs and the continuation of that policy through the mayor-elect, Eric Adams, who said he's going to do exactly the same thing. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Jack in New Jersey. It's your 15 seconds of infamy, Jack. Hey, Curtis, listen. You think people really care about the royal family? You know, it, it just doesn't make no sense every day giving a report about the royal family. And how come you don't stick around after, you know... The, the 15th. Well, what, what, what do you mean stick around? What am I supposed to do, like a barnacle? You know, maybe embed myself on the side here. We got 92 people in preparation for the one hour of news. There are more people preparing the news here than at CBS News, NBC, WABC, Channel 5, Channel 11. I've never seen anything like it. Give you, a, you see what WABC is doing for you. You see what John Katsimatidis, owner and operator. You see what Chad Lopez, the general manager, is doing for you. 92 people in here doing the specificity of news from Equatorial Guiana, where the Red Chinese are building a naval base. Yes, they're doing microanalysis because they're doing it all for you. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's one eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Jimmy, you get your fifteen seconds of infamy from Rhinebeck, New York. Thanks, Curtis. Um, it's not said anymore, but you know, raise your children right, never commit crimes, stiffen penalties for violent crime, and you would have been an awesome mayor. Thank you, Curtis. Oh, that was so good. That was like a hot bowl of oatmeal. It just sticks to your ribs on a cold day. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Ina. Your fifteen seconds of infamy awaits you in Manhattan, Ina. Okay, Curtis. How are you? Long time not talk to you. Um, I'm just want to know what's going on with, with with everything here. Wow. <laughs> Ooh. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my god I gotta get out of here I gotta get out of here she's asking me what's going on right and she's listening it shows you how dense what dullards some of these people are I mean how just non-cognoscente they are sorry to use those five dollar words and those multi-syllabic words but I'm running out of defamatory remarks about this audience. <laughs> anyway, let's go to Joey in Manhattan. Your 15 seconds of fame awaits you, Giuseppe. 
If they are so right and peace-loving, why don't the 28 nuclearized NATO nations surrounding Russia instead invite Russia into NATO membership and bring peace on Earth? Hmm. So invite Vladimir Putin into NATO. Uh, Coming uh, from the words of uh, Marlon Brando and the Godfather, keep all enemies close. Let's go to Louie, Louie, Louie in New Jersey. Your 15 seconds of infamy awaits you here at WABC. Louie? It's getting sicker and sicker every day out there, Curtis. What was that, four seconds? <laughs> you didn't even make it over the breakneck five seconds. This is, this is I mean, look, tutorial training for talk radio listeners uh, and callers. I'll make myself available. You know, it sort of reminds me of uh, social promotion. We should do this here at WABC, social promotion for callers and listeners. It's a little more difficult than the other side of midnight because it is theater of the mind. The question is, do some of our listeners, do some of our callers, do they even have a mind? Are they even connected to their thought process? Are they just like amoebas? You know, the only way we can actually build the audience is to cut them. And then they multiply like an amoeba. Whew. Boy, this was a challenge this morning. <laughs> and I'm almost afraid to give the numbers out anymore. Okay, it's all right. You can all line up at the diner, get your corn muffin and your cup of coffee. And get ready for the news. We had 92 people in the newsroom preparing this news. I mean, it's better than CBS, ABC, NBC, Fox, Channel 11, The Picks. It better be with 92 people preparing it to explain to you where Equatorial Guinea is off the African West Coast where the Red Chinese are building a naval base. Required five people, imported military specialists who formerly worked in the Pentagon. I mean, that's news for you coming up. You don't want to miss it.